if it bleeds, we can podcast it. I, I that was such Whoa. a fucking. That was disaster. Do you remember? I mean, this is we haven't covered. You've come in, John. That was, save us. that was offensive. We haven't covered. <laughs> that was offensive to German people. They could be offended. I was doing warm ups. I, I know he's Austrian. I, I, and then I lost it immediately. I don't know if you remember this because this is many, many years ago. This is eight years ago now. But James Cameron, one of the first directors we covered on this podcast, we talked a lot of Arnold then. Yeah. It's been a little while since we maybe talked this seriously about Arnold. Yeah. But my attempts uh, at doing an Arnold impression were so bad in that era that I reclaimed it and said, I'm actually not doing an Arnold impression. It's a different character that I've made up named Yarnold. Yeah. But you also said you spent the last eight years practicing for this episode. <laughs> right. After no Rachel, one can ding me. <laughs> shout out Rachel Yarnell Sanders. It's right. her middle yes. name. Right. I forgot. You borrowed yes. her middle name on yes. the Terminator episode to create the new character of Yarnold. Hey, Yarnold. <laughs> To explain why you have such a pathetic uh, I forgot all Schwarzenegger this impression. So that's my dead accurate Yarnold impression. It doesn't say, hey, Arnold. It says, he, Yarnold. <laughs> do, do, say get to the chopper. Come on. Okay. Get to the podcast. No. I can't do it. What? Get to the chopper. Get you to sound the, like Dracula. Get to, get to the chopper. Get to the chopper. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Uh, you do it. You try one. Uh, hmm. No, I mean, let me think. Oh, see, it's so easy. I never to, said it was. I ain't got back. time to podcast. Wait, what the hell was that? <laughs> I like that. That's good. <laughs> that was Jesse. Nicholson. No, <laughs> yeah, it's Jesse. Ain't got time to podcast. <laughs> see, I could do an okay Jesse. Ain't got time. Jesse the Body Ventura. It's so hard to find Arnold Schwarzenegger's filmography on his Wikipedia page because of his tenure as the governor of California. Oh, I don't know if you sure. guys are aware, but he he was the uh, leader of the biggest state in the country for eight years. Uh, you're mistaken. That was the premise of a high concept mid two thousands comedy. <laughs> <laughs> that was the, of, obviously the, the premise old of a movie. Dylan Marn routine about like, do you know how he got famous and by lifting things like yeah. <laughs> there's a heavy thing we wouldn't want to lift it and no. he's like well, how about I lift it up all the time lift it over and over and over again and we were like yeah you're the guy we want to like run our like water supply and like taxes I'm so happy like to be talking about Arnold again yeah how do you feel about Arnold John do you like Arnold I just listened to his entire audiobook and oh, yeah. I know everything about him already so it was not like almost nothing new did you watch the Netflix talk uh, no I didn't I started oh, yeah. it and it's Good shit. Oh, ooh, okay. I'm so like bathed in this dude's life. I like talk about him like three hours a week, more or less. <laughs> yes, yes. Right. As a host of Action right. Boys, a host of Action Boys, uh, a garbage man. <laughs> or no, garbage mans are the listeners. Janitors, janitors, the janitors so, are the listeners. Sorry. We treat them so well over yes. there. <laughs> um, but no, there's something like even if. Look, I perhaps know less about Arnold than you do, but I consider myself a, a minor Arnold scholar. Uh, I've watched this documentary, and it's not that there were, like, a ton of revelations that blew my mind, but it is fascinating to watch him just kind of, like, speak with perspective and candor on living the most insane life imaginable. Right. Like, you're making the joke a, version of it that's, like, that's no, embarrassing for us as a people that he became governor. I mean, that's Marin's joke, but, yeah, like, he's really point, Forrest Gump. Yes. Like, he's, like, he's just one of those dudes who keeps just being like, oh, and then he's just like, oh, if he chose, whatever he wanted to do in life, he would have been absolutely the best at yes. it. I just, uh, that is objectively true. The dude is broken in a specific way. Correct. Luckily, right. he chose something that lined up with his insane genetics. Yes. Uh, and his uh, <laughs> ability to handle <laughs> uh, hormones. <Yeah. laughs> right. right. Was Injections. <laughs> God bless him. I mean, you know, good for him. Yeah. 
the fact that he became governor mm-hmm. was the governor had yes. like kind of a mixed tenure was as governor. A Republican, you know, Republican governor, governor of California, of California for a decade, yeah, eight years. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, an extra a, ba- a baker's decade. A baker's right. decade <laughs> comes out of that. You know, does some more movies. He still will do a movie now, yeah. but like it's you know it's getting fewer and far between. And then like my boss came over a couple of years ago. It's like, isn't it weird that like the face of moderate Republicans in America is Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yes. yes. Because he's like, I you know, I think Donald Trump is bad. Like, it's like, wow, this guy's a real fucking genius. He you know? to be like the thinking man's Mitt Romney. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? It's bananas, but if they changed the law, he would be president. Every single time there's some yeah. headline I read of like, Arnold releases scathing new video. I'm like, okay. And then I watch it and I'm like, he raises some good points and he he sold them well. He actually is the one guy from this side of the party line who kind of is making some sense and is speaking to sanity. Because he's a uh, historian as well. Yeah. And his dad was a Nazi. Yes. And he has intense regret and he knows what that did to his dad and he what it did to it. his home country. Yep. And so right. he's like, guys, <laughs> I, I'm hey, we'll keep the taxes low, <laughs> right. but we got to <laughs> save the planet this and like, love each other. Lies ruined. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We are here, obviously, not to talk about, you know, his political career or even know, his later career. This, like, we do have to talk about uh, just, a Predator, the Kennedy family of governors. I, yeah. yeah. The, the, you mean, the, yeah, right. The Kennedy family of movies. Right. Uh, <laughs> and a political film in its way, sort of. I can, I can grasp at the politics of this it, era of it's movie. It's one of the things I find interesting about this movie. It's just also just when I'm considering Schwarzenegger and I'm watching this movie, which yeah. is about... A man, an an impossibly large man, yes, fighting a reggae lizard warrior, <laughs> yes, in a fictional jungle, yes, while covered in mud, right, and surviving a nuclear explosion, and I'm like, yeah, this guy, right, became like a sort of like noted civic figure, yes. Yeah. Dude, it's just funny to think about. You just ripped out that log line, like that sounded so fucking awesome. It sounded so that good. every. This movie you could watch as like a dead-brained child and be like, that was the coolest thing I've ever seen. I watched this last night for like the 400th time in my life and I was like, man, I'm getting so much out of this. Like, so much. <laughs> I'm like, male friendship. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But also just yep. the McTiernan thing of like, helicopters. this is like <laughs> such unshowy, sophisticated filmmaking. Yes. I, I, like I you put aside agree. the special effects and all the like, the, the memeable moments and all the things that people like to focus on and you're just like, this movie has astonishingly little dialogue, considering that almost every line is like eminently quotable. It's yeah, you forget how many references from society yes, are come in from this, this movie. movie. Yeah, yeah. But then there are also like multiple ten plus minute stretches where no one talks. Yeah, and you're like, this is a movie where every single story beat is like communicated so clearly and effortlessly. I kept saying I felt so old watching this movie because it was like, they don't do this in pictures anymore. Yeah. It was like all my brain kept saying, like these wide jungle shots oh. with our heroes walking through it. You're yes. like, motherfucker, motherfucker. There is not a, a piece of civilization there. No, no. We, it's it, This is a real, we didn't know how good we had it yeah. uh, movie. And as David said right before we start recording, just one of the most watchable movies ever. Just the easiest assignment is watching yeah. Predator. Yeah, uh, hands down. It li- Predator is the origin story of Action Boys. It's the second episode of High and Mighty is Ben Rogers and Ryan Stanger coming on. This oh, wow. go, this going on like nine years ago. The yeah. second episode of High and Mighty. The first was Jake and Amir, the guys who 
pick my podcast up. Right. The second was... And, and the topic of that episode was letting me do a podcast? Yeah, it was about launching a podcast. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then this literally one night at a bar at Birds, Yeah. Rogers and I were talking. We, we kind of knew Ryan Stanger. And he comes over and I'm like, I'm thinking of launching a podcast where I just like have celebrities come on and talk about my favorite movies. And he's like, oh yeah, I'm like, I like, I'd love to have Seth Rogen on talk about Predator. And in that moment, Rogers and I, who've known each other way longer, we start talking Predator and Stanger ch starts chiming in. We all had just watched If It Bleeds on YouTube, the like hour long oh, yeah. special features thing. So we went off and we talked for 90 minutes at Birds. And I was like, okay, guys, I think you guys are going to come on my podcast. Can we replicate this <laughs> yeah. again on Mike? We did it like six days later yes. and, and fucked it up. And yeah. it was not as all as interesting as the bar convo. But then that launched us wow. into now we I've been doing there's like 400 episodes of that show. And that was a spinoff from High and Mighty. So you never did a proper Predator episode on Action Boys. I uh, no, we have not. But in this, it next was coming in the back door pilot. Now yeah. you're okay. McDonald's. Like now, it's the one you won't do. Well, we are saving like because the like eight awesome ones we did on High and Mighty yeah. in an hour and thirty. Yeah, we need to give like the three and a half hour spectrum treatment yes. from us. Yeah, I mean, right. you even talked about if it bleeds. Like I was watching this and I was uh, uh, reading the McTiernan commentary. The Blu-ray allows you to do the commentary subtitles. Whoa! Because I was like, I want to hear. I want to hear McTiernan's insights, but I also don't want to not hear the Sylvestri score. Uh, or I just the listened to the, I listened to the theme from Sylvestri, the whole walk from I the G train to here. How fucking <laughs> hard the score goes. <laughs> yeah. I like I stupidly don't think of it immediately in my like, what are like the obvious big Sylvestri scores? It's that's fair because you think of Back to the Future, and now I guess you think of the Avengers, right? Those Avengers and the end of Forrest Gump, right? Yeah, right. Roger. But this Rabbit. is like a kitchen sink score, right? There's yeah. like so many Everything. instruments. You're like, what the fuck is that? A didgeridoo <laughs> and like a djembe at the same time? Also, and there's I mean, a horn, maybe. I think Sylvester says that like in a movie that is an hour forty seven. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, yeah. Movie is an hour forty five. Basically, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like an hour forty seven. I think he said there's an hour thirty five of music. He's awesome. like, this is a movie that almost never doesn't have music because a lot of it is dialogueless and the music is what's like carrying you along. Uh, I don't know if you've seen a uh, RoboDoc. I have not yet. I'm, uh, that's on my fucking queue. I can't wait. Just reading all the things that McTiernan was saying about this, reading the research that JJ did, digging in some other things. I'm like, this is a movie that needs a nine hour documentary. 100 percent i would gladly sit in a chair and talk for hours into a camera for i the remember sake of this watching if it bleeds a billion times when i was 15 years old but i'm like that's not enough and the other thing that's fascinating about this movie similar to robocop is like this movie was like forged in like trauma and pain and stuff like everyone is losing their mind making this movie and then also everyone's account of what went down fights everyone else's right, everyone account else is like fuck that guy no this is what happened right. is there a movie set in the jungle where the behind-the-scenes story is like, yeah, it's a really chill time. Like, you know, plumbing was easy. Nobody got sick. That's a good Temperature question. was normal. It didn't run long. We didn't go over the budget. There was no weird weather. Like, you, it's always like, every director is like, I thought I could make the movie in the yes. jungle that didn't go wrong, and I was a fool. Like, yes. just like everyone else, I got fucked by the jungle. I want to do a movie so bad, I say this all the time, where yeah. the boom op is in, like, cut-off jeans, no shirt, and a bandana. Yeah, right. Like, I just want to be in one of those, like, Coppola jungles, like, where I'm crawling in the mud, and it's like, my fucking leg is still hurting from yesterday. Everyone's like, just shoot. Like, I want to be on, like, <laughs> one super toxic, weird, out-of-country. 
and now that's like Eastern European, like expendables. You know, you got right, Steven Seagal, right? Like Moldova, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. And uh, what, what's it called when you can't take someone out of the state, like a no extradition law? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Look, no extradition. Yeah. There's, there's already so much to talk about. We're like setting up like what 15 is this different podcast? Threats, by this the way. podcast. That's what I'm trying to do now. Is blank check with Griffin and David. I'm Griffin. I'm David. It's a podcast about filmographies, directors who have massive success early on in their careers, like for example. Having Predator be your second film. Yeah. Insane. Sure. This is one of the biggest leaps from first movie to second movie I feel like we have ever covered on this show. Because his first movie is not very good. I have never seen Nomads. No, I hadn't seen it until we did it on this show. And I was expecting, like, even if it wasn't a secret, you know, like, hidden gem, I was like, I'm going to see the thing that made them hire yes. him for Predator. And I watched it and I was like, they had a much better eye than I did or they got really fucking lucky. So you didn't see cocaine? Because <laughs> cocaine is the thing that got everyone hired on this fucking yeah. movie, dude. No, Holy no. shit. You see cocaine. You know, like hair in the lens. <laughs> They're like flex. They're like rocks in the lens. Yeah, everyone's got the, the fucking Neil Young last yeah. waltz booger. <laughs> no, Nomads, Nomads <laughs> does feel cocaine-y as well. <laughs> yeah, Nomads is a little coked up, but Nomads is also just like... I don't know, like, you know, what is anyone doing here? Like, it does have a bit of a mood. It does. But it has a noiry L.A. mood. It doesn't have a jungle action movie mood. It doesn't have, let's gather eight of the craziest fucking people in Hollywood and right. trap them well, in a jungle so together. So the thing <laughs> with Nomads is, let me finish the introduction. Yeah, uh, directors who have massive success, like Making Predators at the second film. Early on in their career, to give a series of blank checks, make whatever crazy passion products they want, and sometimes those checks clear, and sometimes they get to the chopper, baby. This is a mini-series on the films of John McTiernan. It's called Pod Hard with Avenge Cast. Boom. Oh, that's a good one. Boom. I like that. Our guests, they return to the show for, I believe, the fifth oh, time. Oh, I have to look this oh, up? Oh, shit, yeah, because I didn't. I yeah, think and I can't run. I have goldfish fine. brain. <laughs> From High and Mighty from Action Boys, John Gabris. This is your fifth appearance, my friend. Holy Congratulations. Shit. Talk about oh, this jacket fits great. Thank mm. you, Hosley. Of course. You're so welcome. <laughs> Glad it fits. Congratulations. 54R. Perfect. <laughs> we should start making a blank check five timers. We really should. Jacket. Yeah. yeah. I would put it in Lucite in my living room if wow. you guys did that. Like, I wow. would have Planet Ho Planet Podcast yeah. Lord in my house. This we and the signed comedy bang bang bug next to yeah. each other. Well. Um, then it would be like, yeah, me. <laughs> so come to this address. Yeah, go to the elevators. Also, what are your measurements? Like, sure. that would be the new. Yeah. Look, it's not a value judgment because the way our, our favorite guests, people like you, who we love and we love to have on the show and try to have on regularly. Sometimes it's about timing. Sometimes about what we cover. And sometimes the you live fit. across the country. Sure. <laughs> you know, it's not like we we give preference to certain people to only give them the best movies or only the worst movies or this or that. But the internal canon of the Gabris Blank check episodes is Heat, yeah, yep, Road Warrior, yeah. uh huh, Too Fast, Too Furious, yep. right? <laughs> sort uh, of a little severe. Predator, yeah, and yep. the fifth one I'm forgetting is it's a big one. It's a big one. Yeah, oh, why can't I remember it? Why can't I remember it? It's a big one. Yeah. Heat, Heat was my first one, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you want me to tell you? Yeah. Full Metal Jacket. Full oh, Metal fuck, Jacket. Right. But yes. look at that five. Yeah, it's violent. <laughs> it's violent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guns. 
Guns are present. Well, like, to be fair, the, 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 those are like five movies that, like, if you cut my head open, you would, would just fall yes. out in like right. big like right. icons. And David's <laughs> right that Too Fast, Too Furious is on a different to- tier from the other four yeah, movies that I, I are basically that movie, undeniable but... masterpieces. Right, right. right. Yeah. But yeah. also, it's the only movie in our shared favorite franchise we've covered. Right. So if you like have it occupied the space of Fast and Furious at large, <laughs> that's like an impeccable five. I am thrilled with that five. Yeah. I when and when you texted me about this, I was like, I'm gonna be in town do, on a whirlwind tour. I could do that. It was just like, who should we ask to do Predator? And then we were like, wait, we're fucking morons. Right, 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 right. <laughs> it is so easy. The highlight of getting a text from Griffin that says, We're doing John McTiernan on blank check. If you didn't even invite me to Predator, yeah. I'd still be excited that you sent me that oh, text because nice I'm so stoked to wow. listen to it now. I put this on last night as prep for the podcast. As you said, easiest job in the world, right? <laughs> Watch yeah. Predator as prep. Great. I'm going to have a great fucking time. Yeah. 30 minutes in, I was like, I fucked up. I fucked up waiting until the night before to watch this movie. I wish I'd watched it two nights ago so I could watch it twice before recording I, the I episode. kind of know what you mean. Yeah. I watched a half hour on the toilet this morning on my iPad. I, That's how, like, I was like, I need to get more in. I should, and I felt yeah. the same way. I was like, you flew here, asshole. You could have watched it on the flight. You could have fucking watched it three you times. You could have watched it 10 times this week. <laughs> <laughs> but just, yes, an immaculate film made in insane conditions with a yes. lot of humongous personalities. Right, that was greeted as stupid as fuck when it yes. came out. It was a hit, but not like a, you know, hit. no. And everybody loves it forever and ever now, right? Like, yeah, yeah. No, no one, no one has any shit to talk about Predator. No, and weirdly, like the junkiness and the like odd, misstepped nature of the Predator franchise continuing for decades only b- helps the, the reputation. Like, how of this can movie. you not make that movie again? It looks so easy. Yes, it's muscle guys with guns, and the Predator fucking wastes them. Like, and why time, do you keep fucking this up? Like, every, every time, time someone fucks it one. up, you're like, I guess Predator should be on <laughs> right. money. Yeah. I guess we <laughs> yeah, should put exactly. the Predator on our hundred dollar bill. <laughs> it's funny because a lot of when a movie does that many bad movies, it starts to tarnish some of right. the OG ones. Yes. You know, you're like, oh fuck, okay, right. I can't even watch this because now I can't stop thinking about Last Jedi or whatever. Yeah. But now when you're fucking watching this, I like all the aliens, Danny Glover, uh, Shane Black's autism is a superpower version. Like <laughs> yes. all that shit just disappears. And totally. I'm like, I'm this is like a singular piece of art. I mean, Prey is finally the good Predator sequel we waited decades to get. Yes. And it's the one closest to this one where they finally kind of figured out the right way to replicate the formula it's without totally the copying the best it. one since the first. But it's not right. nearly as good as Predator. No, no, no. it's not nearly as good yeah. as Predator. I really enjoy Predator 2. I Me do. N- I do not hate predators. No, mm. that one's really solid. I, I don't hate any I of these. I don't hate any of them. I hated the predator. The Shane Black one. The Shane Black one, where there's someone's doing Tourette's in a movie. Like yeah. Yeah. I've erased <laughs> that movie from my brain. Smart. Yeah. I wish like, I could. It's like a trauma response. Instead, I erased my social security number and my mom's birthday. <laughs> uh-huh. But I yes, still have right. predators deep in there, and the predator and predators requiem is and <laughs> it is. But once again, like all of these, you're like on paper. Perfect pitch for a Predator sequel, right? Predator 2, what is it? Okay, and the way the first movie was a Commandos in the Jungle, this is L.A. race riots, Danny Glover is a cop, and the Predator lands in the middle of that. You're like, perfect fucking lateral second beat, right? I love it, yeah. And then you're like, it doesn't really work. And then you're like, Predators, here's the idea. Their planet, they get like 10 of the deadliest killers. They stock their pond. Different yeah. definition. This is their sort of like Hunger Games. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, kind of works. 
Yeah, it's that fun. kind of works because the cast is pretty radical. Cast is right. fun, and Nimrod's all right. Yeah, I it's like it's all right. like these movies. I mean, I Predator Two. I famously never been able to get through without falling asleep. Uh, that was Blade Runner for me for like ten years. Wait, okay, no wait. Blade Runner is like a meditative film that's kind of dense and complex, and has a lot of mumbly conversation. Predator Two is, Predator is, not two is the loudest movie I ever know. made, and it's got Paxton going off. I, they need a, a urine sample, a semen sample, and a fecal sample. I give my underwear, get all three. <laughs> <laughs> like, that movie is insane. It's insane. bananas. Insane. And Prey is using UCB terminology here. Sorry to oh 8% God. of your listeners. Oh, You're welcome to the 92% that have taken level two. <laughs> yeah. I think the Prey is chasing the game of the Predator yes. that I like. Yeah. Now, I could sit here. I wish I could be in the, like, where alien write the dollar sign. I would just be like, Predator lands in the Crusades. Predator lands well, in feudal yeah. Japan. Why don't we go the Assassin's that's, Creed video yeah. game like route? Now that's yeah, what yeah. they're finally yeah. doing. Predator fights Vikings. Right. Predator fights American Revolutionary but it does War. Fight samurais. Right. Predator fights, fights dinosaurs. Well, fuck. I mean, fuck. Yeah. Fight. Wait a second. No, no. But now we're gonna get in ourselves in trouble. Why? What do you? Well, because now what? They're just dinosaurs. <laughs> well, they He's can talk. An, I guess. Oh, oh, you see, now we're getting ourselves in trouble. Do they no. have weapons? I oh. guess they. All right. All right. The, the dinosaurs can talk. <laughs> predators can't. <laughs> but the predators have their own dino species, the P-Rex. <laughs> so you got a predator riding a P-Rex who's like a T-Rex with the fucking mouth. Sounds good. It sounds, sounds good. good. Predator versus Toy Story. Fighting like predator a versus. We just cross them over with the yes. worst franchise. No, but this is, it sounds like now finally they've gotten Predator down to the right budget level by being like Hulu. Twenty thirty million dollar, and just make the premise: Predator lands in X in in time of famous right. warrior. Feudal Japan continues to be the rumor of what they're actively developing. It for makes them. total sense. Theaters, and I'm satisfied. Yeah, and just fucking slam dunk. There's this long-standing sort of urban legend that this movie was the Hollywood joke of, uh, oh, who's who's Rocky gonna fight next? Rocky keeps on escalating to right. such ridiculous levels. Yeah, he's got to fight Thunderlips. He's got to right. fight, yeah. So yeah. he's like, by Rocky 7, he's going to be fighting an alien. <laughs> and there's this uh, erroneous uh, notion that Predator came out of a rival studio being like, fuck, maybe we should actually just make that. Rocky versus Alien. Now, right. I think and that then is... And then it shifts and it shifts. I'm reading from the dossier then. I, JJ yeah, that, has disproven this. Basically. Yeah, Jim and, Jim and John Thomas, the idiots who wrote this movie, God bless them. I love them. The world's smartest idiots. Yes, exactly. These are the guys that like forced the script onto like a studio, yes, right? Yes. Like, and, like, and uh, let's get to JJ's thing in a sec. I also want to speak overall about how like accidentally good this movie is. That's, That's the this, thing. This is the reason I want the That's nine hour exactly the yeah. thing. Because like those guys, you know, they went on to write Executive Decision, which is a fun movie. Mm -hmm. A lot of their credits, it's Wild Wild West. Mm -hmm. Mission to Mars, it's not a movie where the writing is what I like I about it. <laughs> Behind Enemy Lines, they have a story credit on. Solid. You know, Incredibly solid, solid, solid You know, I'm sure they, yeah, yeah. they like... Oh, a guy gets caught behind enemy lines. And I was like, yeah, fine. You, you bizarrely get a story credit on this and the yeah. eight DVD sequels we're going to make. Sure. Um, that's about it since then. But like the Wild Wild West thing especially screams to me like these guys are not, you know, stories that are like honed. You no, know, like this is not hey, what they guess what? bring. You come up with this premise, you get to dine out for the rest of exactly. your fucking life. Well, he, like they more or less do because yeah. if you look at their IMDb, it's like all of their credits are like characters by in like yeah. 40 video games and 70 movies. Yeah, fucking <laughs> good. So 
they start working on this movie in 83. Rocky Four came out in 85. The yeah. joke that you referenced, the sort of like Hollywood was like, well, fucking let's do Rocky versus an alien, yeah. is a joke that Joel so- Silver basically came up with. Right. Like, and said in an interview to Starlog or whatever, where he was like, you know, it's reached the point where they have to fight an alien because, like, that's the only enemy we can give them. And, like, Arnie has beaten Stallone to the punch. Like, he's puffing up the movie, it you know? It feels like that thing that sometimes happens where someone, like, tweets a joke about a bad movie pitch and then two months later the trailer comes out and they're like, see, they made my movie. And you're like, do you understand how film development works? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you also, have a joke. don't tweet movie pitches. <laughs> don't tweet movie pitches. That's on you, bro. <laughs> but, like, yes, I think it was uh, uh, these two guys independently writing this script, meeting a moment where the joke had entered the culture exactly. right. right and suddenly his landing of like oh basically the framework exists for us to green light this i just miss the 80s when it was like we need to write a script that arnie and sly will get in a bidding war over yes. like that's our that's our strategy basically yeah. yes so the pitch their script is originally called hunter yeah who are they plus it up to predator that that's another like accidental genius move because hunter makes total sense sure. yeah predator being stands hunted. out in such a specific and maybe it's yes. because now i've been like washed over it and no but forever. even i think predator. i think the predator is a more evocative word in a certain it's way it's a little scary it's a little scary it's a little more mysterious also just try to imagine referring to this species as the hunter right you right. know like the way we're all able to say Alien like the predator, hunter, right? You, you say know. the predator, everyone knows what you're talking about, right? They jump to the predator before they jump to the predators that Chris Hansen catches. <laughs> if you said the hunter, they'd be like, from what, like Snow White and the Huntsman? What are you? Yeah. Night of the Hunter, right? Too many Guy Fieri's son, <laughs> the hunter Fieri. So they write this movie, which is basically, yeah, just the most dangerous game with an alien. And like the most dangerous game is going to be like soldiers. So they're even more dangerous, but right? Is, like, look, I, I want to give them a little credit here. I do too. They did a great job. There's a really smart logic chain of like, if this, then what? That we're just going to throw so many improv terms out in this. <laughs> Stop it. But for, for listeners who don't know, Griffin and I met when he was in my level one. Right. <laughs> like, so God, I attended like two improv shows in my entire life. And that was one too many, probably. <laughs> I think. Th- I mean, unless I'm getting this wrong of one of you being level one and one of you being level two, because there was a switch off. Oh, I did yeah. intensive with both you and Rogers. Right. I'm trying to remember we are actually doing this now. <laughs> stop him, Ben. I it can't. It's already started. <laughs> the only way you could stop it is if you get up and walk around the room and sort you of gotta clear wet it. it. You got to sweep at it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Is that an improv term? Yeah. That's what I... Oh, boy. I stand over while Ben is editing the Blank Check episodes, and whenever I think there should be an edit, I run in front of his desk. (laughs) (laughs) I go, uh, okay, so... Talking about... (laughs) Wait, you were saying the world building... uh, No, just the logic chain of, like, what would be fun? Huh. Deadliest game with an alien, right? Right. Okay, so if an alien... It's like, create deadliest game with a species. Most dangerous game. I'm sorry. Most dangerous game with a species that's better at hunting than we can even fathom, right? Right. So then who would they want to hunt? The deadliest humans. Right. Who are the deadliest humans? Commandos. Right. Yeah. You know, like guys in fatigue. And then you're like, oh, so it's them in the jungle. Like there's, right. once you wait, have wait, this because idea. Because it's the 80s. So it's like everything is like Nicaragua and like, you know, the, all that shit. We're always in the jungle. Right just now. like line up. Yeah, if this so movie perfectly. came out in like the 90s, it would have been like the Middle East. It would have been the, it <laughs> yeah. would have been the Middle Like that is <laughs> entirely accurate. Yes. And yes. they would have gotten, you know, had other set drama instead of the jungle set drama. But true. They slip it, they they send it everywhere, it gets rejected everywhere. They slip it to a Fox reader, 
Lawrence Gordon, the mm-hmm. legendary, you know, producer. Producer at, at one point Fox had, he had just become the head of the studio and he was a guy who came out of the Corman That's school. That's the thing. This He's is like a, big thing. A, a trash guy. Like yes. trash is his milieu. Right. He's coming into Fox. He gets the script or his reader gets the script and gets kicked up to him. He likes it. They get a phone call. They sold the script. They didn't have an agent or a lawyer. But they truly like slid it in. Yes, yes. yes. They, and like it just through like sort of twists of fate made it to Larry Gordon who was like, I love this. It got to the right desk on the right day. Right. The right guy who like finally had just, it was like basically the first nerd <laughs> like right. movie dork to ascend to like a high position who wasn't like, I'm Jack Warner, the magic of the movies. It was like, isn't it cool when monsters fucking punch shit? <laughs> John Davis, a producer Fox, a new producer at Fox, had worked on Commando, which is a film starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Right. So Fox is like starting to see the value of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, yeah. That guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's pretty popular. People like him. Yeah, but it's look, I think he was very much seen as like, that's not a proper studio movie star. Let the canons of the world work with Schwarzenegger. Well, it was like coming in on, coming in big on Terminator too is like, well, of course he could play a stoic robot. He can, right, right, exactly. He can play monsters essentially, but he's not going to play like a person. He had basically done Conan, the two Conan movies, Mm -hmm. the Terminator. Yes. Red Sonja, which he's, you know, sort of not the total star of, right. Uh, Commando, mm-hmm. which completely rocks, but it's basically about like, what if a guy with a gun shot people? <laughs> yes. Like, that's not a high concept movie. Well, I know it's a pretty big concept when you say it like Honestly, that. Honestly, Liam Neeson owes a lot of money to Commando. <laughs> it's, it's pretty, it's, it's literally like, you're going to pay. <laughs> yeah. Like, you pissed off a guy. Oh, who'd I piss off? This guy. <laughs> But you idiot. How do you make him pay? Shoot him with guns. <laughs> Commando and Predator both have this in common. And maybe I'm maybe it's just specific to me, but I'm sure it's more universal than I think. Yeah. They are like kid ideas yeah, for something where it's just right. like, what if me and what if we were all just jack dudes with machine guns in the jungle? It's like awesome. Commando is like, there's a sequence where he goes to a gun store and just picks out his weapons like it's a video game fucking. Yes. There's also that scene in the Terminator. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. like it's like they just know that it's like what's his character's name? John Matrix. Uh yeah, John it's, Ma- it's like a nine-year-old came up with a character name. Uh, John Matrix. John and Matrix. it's like and, and they take his daughter and and then takes him to an island and it's like bad guy island. <laughs> It was like one of the first Bad Guy Island movies, too. Yes. That's now everyone uses to like protect geopolitics. It's like, yeah. it's a separatist island off the coast of the Philippines. Filipino people are like, what the fuck, man? One of Epstein's <laughs> favorite movies. <laughs> yeah. Look, anyway. <laughs> After Commando, he does Raw Deal. This uh-huh. is kind of similar to Commando. They gave him a Raw yeah, Deal. Yeah, I've never yeah. seen Raw Nobody Deal. Nobody gives him a Raw Deal. Raw Deal, I feel like, is kind of the forgotten Schwarzenegger movie of this era. It's not bad. I've seen Raw, what do you raw, deal? raw Deal. Raw Deal kind of good. Rolls, really yeah. Good. You know, he's... Uh, he got a raw deal. He got a raw deal. It's, he's taking down the mafia, right? He's like a sheriff, and yes. like there's a witness protection angle to it. Who and he has to, raw deal? John Irvin. Okay. Um, raw deal and um, the the Russian one. You, right. you get, Red Heat. Red Heat. Getting confused because of the titles. Right. Because yeah, right. yeah, yeah. that's Walter Hill. Uh, Red Heat, which is obviously the one with Belushi, is, is Walter Hill. Yeah. That, and th- those are w- where he's like doing his Chuck Norris kind of era, right. where it's just like, with Jim, this is a plug and play. This has, yes, n- this has nothing to do with not built around Arnold. It's just like, oh, yes. this is a story of an undercover cop. It's like, well, of course the undercover cop would be six foot three, 295 pounds and shredded. But plug and play is a good point because you're like, right, Terminator, everyone goes, you know what? This does actually make a lot of sense for casting. What, Conan, what a perfect, obviously. Conan, yeah. the guy's built for, like he Red built Sonia. his body yeah, to yeah. look like this illustration. When you start to get into Commando, Raw Deal, Red Heat, 
I guess Red Heat is playing on him being stoic. Well, so Red Heat is the first inch towards, like, could he play, like, a somewhat comic character, right? right? You know, like, Twins is the same year as Red Heat. After Twins, it's like this man runs society. Yes. Because, like, it's Twins like he... Twins is his first $100 million movie, which is right. so bizarre to think about. Twins is the most lucrative job he's ever had. Yes. Like, in terms of, like, pure profit? Yeah, like, because yeah. Uh, uh, they all took back end, him, DeVito, right. and Reitman. And they, right. they right? took 40% of the back end. Yeah, and because yeah, no one like wanted that. to bet. No, they all dropped their quotes to yeah. make this movie because everyone's like, there's no way. And it ends up being... Humongous. Yeah, he, he, I, I remember he was like a Nerdist interview back in the day. He was like, yeah, more money on that than like the entire Terminator franchise or something just, crazy like it's that. It's so funny to me that it's like, well, that's his comedy era is him like poking fun at, at like what an established action star he was. Which he was. No, he was huge, but it's like comedy is what finally really broke him to the A-list. Right. That's what moved him to the very top of Hollywood is when he started doing the comedy. When he proved he could do that. Yes. It was kind of like, okay. We forgive you. You know what right. else he could do that not a lot of people in in his uh, realm can do? He's great as himself. Yeah, in like in interviews, in press, in real life, in like which is why you could just see the road to governor, or the road to oh, political yeah. leadership. You watched the the documentary, right, David? No, I haven't seen the Arnie okay. Doc. I, I listened to him on Conan. I I'm going to get and, this yeah. word wrong, but there's great. a word he uses, like an Austrian word, a term that's like smeh <laughs> or something like that, and they're like, "What's smeh?" And he's like, smears like all this stuff. I'm doing my impression of Yarnold now. He Yarnold. He, he Arnold. But he basically was just like, all this stuff, like the cigar and the tanks and the, all of these. Right. This is this man. Arnold or accoutrement. Right. Right. Right, right, right. And he's like, he basically is like, he can't define it, but he's like, it's kind of like a term we use for like bullshit. Yeah. I get it. But him. it's like bullshit that's like kind of exciting and makes people pay attention to you. Look, the dude is a master of branding. This There's the no thing. way he has an accent still. <laughs> Like, he's, he's been he's, in America for, like, 50 yeah. fucking years. Yeah. And his accent in the audiobook is stronger than, like, in Predator. Yes. He's got, like, he's saying, work. You have to work hard. And he's never done that. <laughs> the other thing about this guy being, like, the greatest self-actualizer in history. They're like, okay, you want to be a movie star? First of all, probably never going to happen in legitimate films because you are a bodybuilder with no acting training. But if you want to give this a go just to be a lunkhead who swings a sword yeah, around right. and shoots people, change guy. your name and learn how to speak an American accent. And he was like, I firmly refuse to do either. The world will bend around me. Arnold Strong, of course, was how he was built in Hercules in New York. Yeah. I'm wild. Hercules. That's a crazy-ass right, movie. And they it's dubbed like him redubbed, yeah. yeah. Dubbed him, yeah. And they dubbed him over with someone who speaks even like more broken English somehow. Yeah. That what he does do for Conan, he doesn't change his name. He doesn't master the English dialect. But what does he do? Train with a fucking sword master. Change his entire like bodybuilding yes. program because mm -hmm. he. This is what Conan would have. Yes. And I'm like, that's a different approach to acting that not a lot of people do anymore. And like, and that is such like that's another thing about his magic. He isn't an intellectual theater guy, no. but he comes at it from. I feel like Conan would have big legs because from carrying the wheel of pain. And he's like, and then he's a sword guy. So he goes and trains with like a master samurai swordsman and trains like hours a day and like works on developing his shoulders because Conan would be swinging a sword all the time. He understands this fucking visual storytelling. Like he's an incredible communicator. Like you can't argue that he is a naturalistic portrayer of the human condition. Well, he's at his most awkward when he's play, playing a normal guy. Oh, God, I got to yeah. get the toy for my kid. Like, and he's at I his don't best when he's to, like, yeah. I am a metal man yeah. built to kill. You're like, fuck, this guy's believable. 
as the metal man. So a movie like this, I'm like, he's communicating every beat he wants to pretty gracefully. The camera also loves him. Yes. Like, it's just fucking, especially by this time, you know? In, in Predator, is there a word for the male gaze on males yeah. via heterosexuality, yeah. though? Because it's not... They're trying, it's not trying to sexualize these guys, but. but it's impossible not to stare at them. But it is the sort of male, like, look at that guy's fucking traps I energy. I think guys yeah. like McTiernan, I think guys like Zack Snyder now, mm -hmm. you know, who I've always, if nothing else, admired for like, he shoots the male body with something of a sexual gaze. Like, yes. not in like an insane way where he's, you know, going like, you know, completely over the top of it. But he's like, I appreciate this and you should too. Like, this is not, and this is not just you looking at a statue. This is you looking at a hot fucking giant man. Like, enjoy this. It's the thing that Arnold talks about, which is like very in line with what you're saying about Conan that I found so interesting in the documentary is like, his objective was not, I want to be the biggest guy in the world. He was like, I looked at bodybuilders and I was fascinated by the way that muscles were sculpted. And he was like, I was going for very specific aesthetics. I wasn't just trying to be larger than everyone else, which he did basically do, right? Yeah. But he also was like, I like this curve of the shoulder. I like this muscle here on the leg. And he was like, I would spend six months doing one thing to try to build something that wasn't the look I wanted, but would support the look when I went to the next phase. Like he really was thinking compositionally about his body. There's a famous story that he thinks he didn't win one Mr. Universe or Mr. Olympia because his calves were underdeveloped. Yes. So he took all of his sweatpants and cut them at the knee. So he had to have his calves exposed yes. all the time. So he was constantly reminded that they were weak and small. And so he just went and went fucking apeshit. And yes. that's where you see there's a crazy exercise called a donkey calf raise where you kind of are bent over with your elbows on and you're doing calf raises. There are so many photos of Arnold with like his bodybuilding friends on yes. his back doing that. Like Franco Colombo, who was like his oh, best yeah. friend, R.I.P., but then, yes, then he won the next Mr. Universe. Like, he was just like, great, note taken. My calves will be superior. And he, along the way, every time he met, like, a new uh, weightlifter, a powerlifter or a yeah. bodybuilder that was doing something different than him, he was, like, open-minded, le learned from them, stole from them, you right. know, like, he did whatever it took. He's like, he's not afraid, like, you know, th that's another thing. He's, like, open to input. Well, this is, look. We're, we're, he wanted to be Reese in Terminator. Imagine that fucking movie. Insane. <laughs> We're loading a lot of things on the plate here, but yes. like it's another reason this movie works so well is he talks so much about in those like early California bodybuilding days. He went from being very competitive to being like, if I want to be the best, I have to actually go open source on this information and this sport with everyone else. Right. Like I need to find all of my contemporaries and rather than like antagonize them, bring them in. We all work together. We all share our notes on everything. And it wasn't like, no, the, thy enemy kind of shit. He was like, first of all, the whole sport's going to get raised if all of us can like create an excitement around this. Right. But secondly, he was like, we, we're like scientists in a lab developing shit. We right. need They're to be like forefront of comparing it. notes. And this movie similarly like puts him with a crew for the first time where I think he's kind of doing the same thing with acting. Like he's watching other guys act who are maybe more natural actors than he is. There's a moment in If It Bleeds when he's like, and we've got all these big muscle men, soldiers and, and wrestlers and football players here. And I'm like, that's what excites him in such an yes. interesting way. It's like, bro, it's like a 13-year-old kid. And then there was one guy there who knew karate. You know, like, it's like, it's but such that's a fucking like, that dream. That gets right. something out of him to surround him with all these guys. And then you talk about how fucking good he looks, aside from just 
like his face remains insane. Especially this is maybe like this movie is possibly the most beautiful his face ever was. Absolutely fucking ch- like his face is chiseled. <laughs> but unlike some guys who just get big for the sake of being big, you're like Arnold knows what will play on camera. He has developed his body in a way to work on camera specifically. It's so radical by somehow in the third act of the movie, everyone's undershirts are gone, but everyone still has their vests. It's like, fuck yeah. Yeah. There's just that scene at the end when him and Carl Weathers is like, they're both, there's no way you can be that like flexed without trying. And they're like, Dylan, he's like, yeah. (laughs) They're all just like fucking like raging, like, you know, like vascular as fuck. And it's like, they're clearly just ripping out everything in between. It's so Fucking awesome. Ben, what's this drum roll? We have an announcement. Announcement? Yeah. I briefly was like, is Ben okay? What is this? Ben's never been doing better. I'm doing so good. Why? What's up? Okay, so you know that we have a live show coming up at the town hall. Don't remind me. Uh, Boy, I can't wait. If you haven't gotten your tickets yet, you should come. There are you a few left if you want left. tickets. Yes. There are a couple left, but let's acknowledge Yeah, not everyone is uh, living in the tri-state area. It's not convenient for everyone to come. Maybe you got outstanding obligations. Maybe you live in If you live Reykjavik. in the tri-state area, though, you better come. This is the thing. Everyone in the tri-state area is on blast. If you're outside the perimeter. And by the way, by tri-state area, it's kind of like eight states. Yeah. There's a lot of tries that you can put together. We keep on kind of pulling other states into a try. <laughs> like Delaware, you're on my list. This is the point. No, Look, no, we I'm don't sorry, travel. We don't do touring shows. People sometimes get bummed out that they don't get the opportunity to see our live shows. Yeah, I have young children I don't care about uh, touring. Plural? No, you're right. Young child. Well, well okay, I don't are like you this. about to make an announcement? I don't I'm like not He's now pointing towards me. Is a Griffin sort of a young child. No, I have. It's a, it's a figure of speech. <laughs> I'm a 35 year old child, child, to be clear. I'm a 35 year old child. <laughs> okay, but here's the thing we have exciting news. We have exciting news. Let's focus up. We are going to film the live show. We're going to film it. And we are going to make it available. <gasps> yes. On the internet. We're going to have a premiere drop about a, a, a week, a couple weeks after the fact. Ben, you got the date there? I sure do, because, of course, the date is March 23rd, our, our anniversary. That's nine years, baby. Great syncing up on So it'll be one, going guys. live 8 p.m. Eastern Yes, on our anniversary, and then it will be available to watch for the next seven days. That's right. So you can experience... <gasps> I check on Broadway. Yeah. Technically, we're on West 43rd Street, but yeah. Sure. Well, come on, David. Broadway is sort of weird because like, you know, I mean, like Lincoln Center is like on Broadway, but they count as Broadway shows, even though they're outside of the Broadway district. All this right now. Yeah. But for just $15, we'll have a beautifully put together multicam special. Yes. Filmed live at the town hall. A lot of, lot of special guests, a lot, a lot of, of fun surprises. Guests. It's going to be multimedia extravaganza, hyper-visual. That's right. You're going to want to watch this thing. And uh, Town Hall's a union house. Uh, we, got a, we got a crew. We got a, a sort of cover in the cost of the video rental. Yeah. Yes. But everyone's being fairly compensated. Exactly. So if you are interested in the episode description, there will be a link where you can get your tickets available on... <laughs> Monday at Sneeze noon. to some extent. Guys, is this the best episode we've ever done? I was like <laughs> bordering on it, and then the sneeze happened. I was like, this is good. 
This is like standalone. I decided good. I have multiple children. Ben forgot what the word podcast is. It seems like sneeze directly into Mike. David I really tried to sneeze. David off was Mike. leaning away and he leaned all the way in for the sneeze. Okay, so this is just a little taste of what you could get. Imagine this with visuals. We're definitely not tired. No, we're doing but, great. Uh, once again, there will be a link in the episode description. It's going to be great. And I think that's all I need to say. Yeah. And as always, be Italian. Be Italian. That's a little, a little tease. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm-hmm likes this script. This movie exists because of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yes. Like he, I think wisely, picks kind of ambitious scripts post-Commando. Yeah. Commando's like unambitious. Commando is, I throw guys through walls. This is also the moment he when he likes is like... sci-fi. He likes like genre stuff. He's like, also fully legitimized now. He doesn't have to like go to Dino De Laurentiis. Right. You know, right, it's right, like right. the major studios want to work with him. And suddenly when you have a new type of movie star like this where you're like, we don't have scripts that are kicking around that are obvious to just throw to him, right? Right, right? Like a Bradley Cooper emerges. It's like, hey, here's the pile of like stuff that Wahlberg and DiCaprio have turned down the last five years, right? right? right. A Schwarzenegger emerges in the mid 80s and they're like, we're starting from square one, basically. We need to find things you would work in. Right, and then there's something weird about like, well, maybe it doesn't make sense to have a giant bodybuilder commando but what if we surrounded him by other freaks? So, that's Schwarzenegger's <laughs> idea. Because yeah. the script, I think, was solo. He was the only... Oh, he, it was like really just about like a guy versus the yeah. alien. Yeah. And he he's paid $3 million for this film. Nice Not, work. Nice he work. can get good for Exactly, 100%. Uh, and he says, well, I always wanted to do a film like... I always wanted to do a film like The Wild Bunch or The Magnificent Seven. You know, like that's a... Not a bad impression. Um, you know, he wanted guys working together... He wanted, yes. you know, he says it took me back to my bodybuilding days where you work with a bunch of guys, like you're saying, you got a camaraderie yeah. that develops. He wanted to capture that. But also he's so aware of his limitations that he's like, I shouldn't be doing 90% of the dialogue. Right. I, I should have other guys. I think he's wise. And you get fucking Bill Duke and Carl Weathers who are like liquid charisma. Yes. Like just do whatever the fuck. Let them well, say. Well put. Liquid charisma. Like literally, <laughs> like either of those guys. If Schwarzenegger died, I'd be like, I got weathers. Like, I'm, I'm going to be okay in this movie. Yeah. Like, yeah. But like, if they're like, like, you know, shit, fucking, we pull a Steven Seagal, we'll pull an executive decision. Like, yeah. Schwarzenegger's out. Like, are you okay with that? I'd be like, yeah, I'm fine. Duke and Weathers, like, classically trained actors who yeah, are also fucking actor. built, right? I know. And are just relishing the opportunity here of like, oh, can I see, like, I know I can act. I don't need to prove that to anybody. Right. Can, can I, I get, fucking can out I get tough to Arnold? Size? Yeah. Right. Right. And Duke is like, like, Give me three weird character monologues and I'll do the movie. <laughs> like, uh, give, give me three, like, ama- like an actor would love to be singing fucking like Long Tall Sally during a mental breakdown or whatever. <laughs> I mean, let's just put a pin in 15 minute sidebar on Duke. <laughs> give him, we'll give him eight minutes. 12. Okay. Ba- five minutes for Duke ba- and another five ten. for the, uh, for the, <laughs> you know, for the shaving. Yeah. Which um, this is the first time I've noticed that they establish it on the chopper yeah, right yeah, in. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's right, it's right at the start. <laughs> So John Davis takes credit for McTiernan. He says, I saw Nomads. Mm -hmm. I liked it. I made Larry Gordon watch it and say, like, this is the guy. Right. Schwarzenegger takes credit for it as well. Everybody takes credit for it. McTiernan's like, no, I showed Larry Gordon Gordon Nomads and he liked it. The thing he says on the commentary is that his manager, he went, you want want to know how I really, here's the secret to how Hollywood works. You want to know how I really got this movie? 
My agent says to me, this is the lawyer you should hire. He also represents Arnold Schwarzenegger. If you employ him... You'll get yeah. on his radar, basically. Yes. Right. And then he was like, so then they were sending me Arnold scripts. He said that he was offered Commando. He doesn't... McTiernan doesn't do Commando because there was another thing he was developing that fell through. Sure. So then the second Arnold project they offer him is Predator. And he's... Ugh. For basically the same reasons. He's like, I love kind of like Dirty Dozen, you know, Guns of Navarone, sort of Men on a Mission movies. And also, I like the sort of King Kong aspect of like, guys go on adventure, think they're doing one thing, realize they're way in over their head. Reality is very different than they thought. Always yeah. works. For Always me, works. I'm a team guy. X-Men, heist movies, yes. heat, like anything where everyone has like a specialty. And and because of, I think, being like, you know, simmered in G.I. Joe my whole life. <laughs> yeah, if you can sure. like look at the way someone is dressed and guess their specialization is like a dream come true. It's a know? very real American hero coded movie. Yes. Yes. yes it's human G.I. Joe. It's yes. so perfect. But but, also, but you yeah. get to fucking actually kill people for once. It's not just like planes crash and you see parachutes all the time. <laughs> I love the team specialist thing. And I love the we're experts. We know what we're doing. We're in control of this movie movie right. that 45 minutes in, they're like, oh, fuck, we're in a different genre than we thought we I were. I like that. I also, they are like experts at what? Shooting guns yeah. into leaves? Correct. They don't ever do anything smart in this movie. Well, to be fair, there's a great moment where he's like, why weren't you in Libya? He's like, we're a rescue team, not a hit squad. And then the scene when they get to the fucking, <laughs> fucking base, destroy they just people. murder everyone, no <laughs> questions asked, pistol whip a woman. And like, then Schwarzenegger's <laughs> like, hey, what the fuck was this, by the way? And it's like, I don't know, bro, did you want to do any more recon before you drove an exploding truck into the middle of this base? Not to jump ahead, do you guys know the story of that sequence? I mean, I, I let's ju not jump okay. ahead. Yeah. Okay. This film was attached to, we got to shout him out because he gets shouted out so much in this podcast. We've covered one of his films. Okay. New Zealand filmmaker, Jeff Murphy, who of course directed Under Siege to Dark Territory. <laughs> yeah, of course. of course. But also was the original choice to direct this mm. and the original choice to direct Alien 3, one of the many right. original choices. Sure. Uh, a great filmmaker. He's made Goodbye Pork Pie, Udu, The Quiet Earth, a lot of good New Zealand films. And then he made like junky American movies, Young Guns 2, Great Free Jack, though. Under Siege 2, you know, stuff like that. Did all three of those movies on Action Boys. Hell yeah. <laughs> Did you do Fortress 2 re-entry? No. Yeah. Well. Is Fortress the one with Ray Liotta? It's Christopher Lambert, I want to say. Oh, yeah. No, we haven't done that one. Um, so I'm thinking of the Prison Island one with Ray Liotta. He had also been the first choice to direct Conan, maybe. or uh, He and Arnold okay. had fought on the like development of Conan. And so once Arnold comes aboard, get out of here, Jeff Murphy. Sure. So they need a new guy. Arnold's quote on McTiernan is, what set Nomads apart was the tension McTiernan created, maintained in a film that cost less than a million dollars to make. Like, they're watching Nomad and they're basically like, this is a high ceiling guy, right? Like, it's like, sure, maybe the movie is small, but like, That's 20 he's doing budget, a lot with yeah. nothing. I can kind of see it. Yeah. I mean, look, like the, the script for Nomads is poor. It is the, the worst. It, it's the it only is. movie the script is the biggest himself problem. wrote, wrote which is yeah. kind of telling. Uh. <laughs> where it's like, maybe that's not his strength. And the script is vaguely incoherent in ways. <laughs> it's fucking nonsense, dude. Right. You'll see it someday. But there is, like, there is like a mood and a tone. And the thing, I think there's a Gordon quote in the dossier about just like, a lot of that movie is just Pierce Brosnan looking at a van slowly rolling down the street and a maintained sense of ominous dread of like, when is this going to break? And they were like, if he can make a van scary, right? And he has no money, and this movie's just Pierce Brosnan looking at a van. If we drop him in the jungle with Arnold Schwarzenegger and a good monster design, but even still, I I do think part of 
him getting this movie off of Nomads is that no one thought this movie would be particularly Right, important. they weren't betting big on it. Right, even way. though now Schwarzenegger is making Fox movies, this is still a B movie for Fox, where right. they're like, look, we need a, a guy who'll just get it done. This movie sells itself. It's Schwarzenegger fighting an alien. Critics are going to make fun of us. You right. saying the Nomad's tension thing makes me see like the jump to Predator because Predator's got like a little bit of that Jaws energy for like the oh, first yeah. act, yeah. the first couple acts. It is wild how little you see the Predator. It's a genius to how you, little you see the Predator. You don't see him in full until the very end, but even like if you're just stop watching any physical representation of the Predator, it happens so much less often than you remember. Yes. Even you, just you the, the cloaking effect. do not see him with the helmet on no. for an hour plus. No. Like, you, I mean, let alone the face. I, I clocked it. I think it's a little under an hour is when he takes out his toolkit and tries to like fix his leg, fix his wounds. Right, 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 and that's the first time you're seeing like his body. hand without yes. cloaking. Right. right, right, right. You're yeah, seeing right. like his hand and his thigh. You're seeing actual body parts. It's awesome. Donald McAlpine shot this film. The cinematographer Moulin Rouge. Breaker um, Morant. Australian. Yeah, big legends. Australian guy. Yeah. He says about Arnold, and this is sort of along the lines of what you were saying. I really admire Arnold because he knows exactly what he's playing. I remember there'd be rewrites every morning. One morning, Arnold comes out of his trailer up to John, grabs him by the collar and says, John. John says, yes. And he says, there are four words here. I'll do three. Yeah. You know, he's yeah. basically just like, the less I talk, the better. That's how you use me. Yeah. Why are some of my favorite actors, guys who famously like him, Tommy Lee Jones, Clint Eastwood, Nichols, like the, uh, my favorite actors are guys who just go, no, no, I'm not saying no, lose, I mean, get, take, my, take me out, out of here, here, take me out of here. Look, take there's me out a here. slippery slope from doing that to being really fucking lazy, yeah, which oh, yeah. certainly a lot of the guys we like have had that arc where it's like, <laughs> why did he start sucking in everything? It's because like, he shows up and just rips pages up and goes, I'm not shooting any of this shit. <laughs> and then he's not, not in his own coverage and shit. Like they keep doing like, you just get lazier right. and lazier. But when these guys have good judgment, it is like most scripts you read are overwritten even the great ones they kind of have to be they're written in a way where everyone who's reading them the people who have to green light it the crew members who have to start developing you know uh, strategies based on the script everything needs to be communicated so clearly of i understand exactly from this what this scene is like what this room needs to be like all of this and then you get to set most good actors are like you know what i can say this in a look yeah, right. That's that frequently is like these are two. This is redundant. There's right. always so many redundancies in scripts yeah. because you have to like, sorry, executives, but you got we need to make it so you can understand it. <laughs> I think I invoked this on another episode recently, but there was an uh, interview where Damon was talking about being on set with um, Nicholson and The Departed, and all these actors who work with Nicholson have this story where just in between takes, he just goes like. Can I explain to you the secret of my career? <laughs> like he just imparts the advice. Right. I'm like, you want to know how I became the biggest star? I and broke it down into five easy pieces. <laughs> Nicholson's five pieces for success. <laughs> um, but he says to Damon, he's like, you want to know the secret of my career? And he goes, yeah. And he goes, I'm a really fucking good writer. <laughs> and Damon was like, what does that mean? And he was like, oh, the answer is that when he's on set and he's making those kinds of decisions of like, I shouldn't say this, or we need a scene like this here. Yeah. Even if he's not manually, physically the one writing the script or getting credit for it, if you're going to be like the guy in a movie who's carrying the story, 
you kind of need to have a good writer's you need brain. to have a grasp on the story and like character and all that shit, too, which all comes from the writing. Getting lucky, <laughs> and to a certain extent, I do think Arnold's a kind he's, of a no, good writer. At least he was. He gets it in the. He big definitely loses picture, something in the mid nineties. Yes, he does. Like he starts making junk in the mid nineties. I think it's probably because he's getting less good scripts because his star is waning, and also. Uh, he has it to le even lesser degree than Sly and JCVD and Chuck, all my heroes. Yeah. All these guys go mad with power as they, well. He goes he, mad with power. Yeah. He's, he has the best filmography of those four guys. After he's the best actor of those four And guys. he's the best actor. And like movies like End of Days and The Sixth Day, you're like, this isn't bad, but I, I mean, this isn't good, but I see what you saw in this. Like, right. It's not like a disaster. Like, Sly is basically doing schlock. Like, JCVD basically goes direct to video. Yeah, Chuck Norris basically Segal goes direct to goes video. goes to, like, right. Serbia and makes m movies Right, Seagal starts mafia. making, like, Putin propaganda. But right. Like <laughs> <laughs> Seagal's in a gym just, like, shoving 200-pound doughy guys around. That, those videos hand. where he's just standing there and guys just charge him and he goes, like, eh, and they just <laughs> fall over. I'm like, what is this demonstrating? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Have you seen these amazing videos? powers? I have. It's kind of sad. <laughs> yeah, it's really sad. And then, like, I mean, there's some viral video of like one of those, you know, directed video Seagal movies where he plays a guy who's dragging, like, it's like a so army scene. He's dragging someone who's fallen, like, you know, to safety. And it's so obvious that the guy is being dragged by a wire, and Seagal's like barely touching his his arm. Bro, I watched something called like Sniper Four Special They're all Ops, called something like that. And right? it's a whole movie about a, a mission. And Seagal's on the cover with a sniper rifle. They just, he's on a separate, like, he's like the B story where he's just sitting at a desk with a sniper rifle in a chair. And he has like one hand to hand fight and one sniper. But the rest of the movie is just. It does not all, happen around him, right? Yeah, he's he not have to show up. He's not even involved at all. He shot like three days and he's on the cover of this him. fucking movie. But, but the power crazy thing, right? A lot yeah. of these other guys we're talking about start to think of themselves as auteurs. Or someone yeah. like Stallone is like, I've always told you I was the auteur. Well, he's always, he's, a, he's an actual like theater nerd kid that somehow right. just was jacked and blue collar. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> that's pretty really good, right? That's, I mean, fact, that's in the peak Seagal doing the hair and beard uh, stencil. Yeah. 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 <laughs> just put the fucking stencil over his face and there I go. He gets the fucking Eddie Munster's widow peak. Wooly Willy like, yeah. facial hair. And then yeah. the Hollywood Hulk Hogan facial hair. Yeah. The makeup artist uses a magnetic pencil on him <laughs> and just drags the little metal shavings over. But Schwarzenegger never was like, they need to let me write and direct the film. Right? Right. Like, there's something telling about he knew his limitations even right. in that department. Stallone's like, I'm an artist, like, right. fundamentally. And Schwarzenegger's not like He's that. like, I'm an entertainer yes. and a businessman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Schwarzenegger also comes from the world of athletics and quotes where yes. you're like understanding of coaches and training partners. Right. And you understand that it's a big team right. effort. Right. And also... He becomes friends with someone like Jim Cameron. He's like, stay nearby, bro. <laughs> but like, look, they're not at the same tier as McTiernan and Cameron, who are like two of the best action filmmakers of all time, right? But like his later 90s, early 2000s runoff period, you're like, he's still working with like Andrew Davis. Yeah, decent directors. And like, yeah, yeah. And like bigger and Peter budget. Himes he's got like, taste. Something like Batman and Robin is like, they paid him this much money Correct. to do this little work. Like, right. that's a little different than End of Days, Sixth Day, Collateral Damage, where it's like, he's trying. Collateral Damage is, is hot garbage. That, collateral that, Damage is that's tough. Like a, and then I hate last that's Action Andrew Davis. Hero, Yeah, but that's Andrew well, Davis. You're like, it. he's hiring the guy who did The Fugitive in the first right. Under no. Siege. That's a good pick. End of Days is Peter Hyams, who's yeah. a great action director. Yes. Sixth Day is Robert Spottiswood coming off of Tomorrow Never Dies. This is not the best yeah. or anything, but like, Spot, that was a big movie. Mm-hmm. 
And then it's ter- Terminator 3. Yeah. And then he's the governor and of California. And like another good pick. Like, break down rules. Break down rules. Yeah, it does. I mean, I love Mosto, that movie. Mosto makes sense in a like pick a guy who maybe hasn't totally gotten to flex what he can do. I just think a making, a, making a Terminator movie without Cameron was the mistake and they never should have done Irreversible. it. Irreversible. At least exactly. they made it nine yeah. more times. Right? And then, right. And then they were like, but this time. And it, yeah. that's the lesson of Terminator is like, no. Well, it's like, what if we make it without without Cameron and without Arnold? It's like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> no, this it's a double negative that will turn into a positive. Uh, I hope you're all enjoying our Terminator Patreon series for $5 a month. Four consecutive bad sequels being covered right now on our Patreon. Um. Anyway, first they get Carl Weathers. Yeah. He's in the Rocky movies. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know that. Yeah. They get Bill. He's Duke. Adonis's dad. <laughs> He's Adonis. He plays Adonis's dad. dad. He's Donnie's dad. One day, Rocky, I'm going to have a kid. McTiernan seemed to apply in the commentary that they didn't want to pay for Weathers, that he was sort of like outside of. Apparently, McTiernan's first idea was like, let's get Vietnam vets. Like, let's get real guys. The casting director, uh, yeah. what's her name? Um, um, her name is uh, Jackie Birch. Yes. That was her big idea of like, if we want like guys who can out-tough Schwarzenegger also in this age grouping, we can get only Vietnam vets and have them all bring that versatility. They it. did get Richard, Richard Chaves and Jesse yes. Ventura, who both served in Vietnam. Right. And Richard Chaves had written the play Trancers. They're they're like opposite versions of Vietnam vets. Like yes. Richard Chaves is this sort of like, yeah, he was a soldier, and then he's kind of becomes this intellectual, like, you yes. know, artist about it. And Jesse Ventura, it's like, yeah, he became a pro wrestler because he's a giant man. Right. Of course, later he does become the governor. Another of governor. Yes. Two yes. governors in one movie. Um, so they get those guys. But then like Carl Weathers, it's like, that's Carl Weathers. Bill Duke, it's like he was in commando. He was great in that. Let's, you know, let's have Bill Duke. Right. Uh, you know. That commando scene with Bill Duke, that's the famous, I'm a Green Beret. I eat Green Berets for breakfast. He throws Bill Duke through a wall in this hotel fight. Hard to do. Hard to do. On the bed in the hotel room they go to mm-hmm. is maybe the earliest representation of pegging I've ever seen. Wow. Rewatch this commando sequence. The dude is on all fours and the girl is behind him with his hands on her hips. And it's played in the background. No one reacts to it. They just do the classic like, oh, you know, but it's fucking wild. I was like, wait, can we go back? Um, Do you guys think that Deadpool has seen commando? <laughs> My least favorite thing about Deadpool is what you are referencing, essentially. Like, I'm happier with him being like, I eat chimichangas, the most random food of all time, versus him being like, I have anal sex, the most random sex of all time. It's like, shut the fuck up, Deadpool. <laughs> Just enjoy your nice Drop it, Deadpool. Yeah, exactly. I saw, I saw two nerds on YouTube last week complaining about the pegging. Uh, well, just being like, we all know Deadpool rules. I mean, that one scene makes me so uncomfortable. Like, it's just you like, know what? That's weird, why right? I should shut up, because Deadpool is... I'm at one end of a spectrum and Deadpool's in the middle here. I had the same sort of eye roll reaction to the Deadpool pegging and then I watched this video and I was like, maybe the next movie he should be pegged 10 times. (laughs) Right. Yeah, it's like kind of like when Nirvana made out on SNL to like spite rednecks or whatever. Like, Like, this is working. Keep doing it. Um, Um, But Carl Weathers, no, it it was like the, the challenge of who's a guy who is like a, a serious trained actor but has like the size, the toughness, the build to be able to credibly stand next to Arnold and is like a star, but isn't so much of a star that the movie becomes like an unbalanced two-hander. And Carl Weathers, it sounded like, was a little bit higher in quote than what they had 
allotted for that role and it can push really hard, especially coming off of Rocky, to be like, I I really think if we put him in the scenes with Arnold, it's going to up Arnold's game. Apparently it did. They competed, basically. Like they're running, they're bodybuilding, they're waking up at three in the morning, they're definitely not using steroids. Also, like, look, Carl, Apollo is the, like, egomaniac fool in... In Rocky. Right. It's fun to watch him flip it, kind of. Yeah, in Rocky's two to four, he's the heart of those movies. He's so good in them. Yes. But but then he becomes just, like, right, a nice friend, mostly, right? basically. He's great then, but you could see him being, like, this is my chance to actually be, like, tough and cool. Yeah. I mean, in Rocky 2 to 4, especially 2 and 3, he's the guy who's like, Rocky, I've been where you're at now. Yes. Like, you know, I've done the celebrity thing and it sucks. Like, you know, he's on the other side of it. In Rocky 4, he's just like, I have to kill Ivan Drago. And yeah, just gets I'm his sorry, but I'm, off. I'm, right. heading, I'm going to fight the Cold War for us. <laughs> I'll he's, be right he's back. He's kind of irrational in that <laughs> I'll one, be right, right back. I got to stop the Cold War. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Let me raw dog somebody real quick for an idea of three more movies. <laughs> <laughs> is that Felicia Rashad? No, that's his real wife, right? Okay, no, no, we don't. Do we know who Adonis's mom is? She's not in the movie. No, they're waiting wait right? to reveal it's like Adrian. Like, it's like <laughs> the movie's like this fucking yeah, snake eating its look, own tail at this point. They've done a good job making Creed sequels not suck, but it's going to be so easy for them to make a mistake like that. That right? Rocco's yeah. kid be like, it's like this is fucking this is Rocky babies. It is. It <laughs> is Rocky babies. It is crazy. Rocky babies. <laughs> Absolutely crazy that that second movie basically works. Yes. Like, yes. obviously the least successful of the three, but yeah. still like a B movie. Like, a totally fine movie. When when they were like, are you going to do a Creed 2? And Stallone was like, yeah, and I want to write it. It's Drago's kid. And I sent, have a sad conversation with Lundgren at a restaurant. You're just like, no, this is the exact opposite of what you guys should be doing. I think if he would have died in Creed, he would have won the Oscar. Agreed. If he would have, yeah. if he would have let him, if his ego would have let himself die, and if he had yelled at twenty less assistants, he might have won the Oscar. That's right. yeah. assistants, <laughs> yeah. studio heads, everybody. studio heads, producers, co stars. I mean, this is my big theory. It's I, I think it's just very logical. We said this on the big picture, but like everyone's like, how could he have lost that award? And it's like everyone else who voted for him were bodies that don't really have to work with him, right? And it's the same thing that I think fucked Eddie Murphy and Dreamgirls. Which is like, well, the Globes will give it to them. The critics' associations will give it to them, but not colleagues. Not Even industry SAG, groups. where the union yes. is so big, and sure. a lot of them are just people who idolize these guys and have never worked with them. And they get to the academy, and it's like, do you understand how late he was every single day? Yeah, he made Griffin Newman look early. <laughs> That's why you're never going to win an Oscar. Do you understand how big his shits were? He made Griffin Newman look like a light shitter. <laughs> Um, but, but yes, no, the beginning, beginning of Creed 2, when he's alive, you're like, oh, right, they fucked this up. Yeah, they right. And now he doesn't really have to gets one more paycheck. Hey, Creed, how you yeah. doing? You know, and you're Evan like, right. Is a vampire. But Rock, look. <laughs> he keeps caught. There was a period of, I, he's a great Instagram follow. He's, he's an amazing social media head, Sly. Yeah. Uh, and he's Yeah, like, yeah, he pops off. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. And he's, he was doing all this like anti-Erwin Winkler shit yeah. for a long oh, time. I, it got a little I anti-Semitic. Love, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think you should call anyone who's Jewish a vampire. <laughs> no. I agree. I love his Erwin Winkler shit. Um, just to be clear, Griffin, he yeah. didn't even get a SAG nomination for Creed. That's wild. Yeah. So you know what? That even further backs yep. up my proves point. It, yeah, proves it even more. Right. It was only people who don't actually work <laughs> on film sets giving him awards. My point was just like the arc of those four Rocky movies. Rocky goes from being like uh, an underdog to being like a fucking cartoon superhero, right? Apollo Creed becomes the humanity of the movie. 
but at the same time that Rocky's becoming this absurd action hero. Apollo becomes like the actor of the movie. Right. You're like, you're like, oh, we need to like put some heart and some it's like, yeah. well, we'll give those lines to Creed. It's <laughs> just <laughs> there's something fun about like Weathers challenging Schwarzenegger to act harder and Schwarzenegger challenging like Weathers and activating in something in of like, I want to kind of do the fucking action star thing that I'm watching my co-stars do. Well, Weathers was a huge jock. He was like yes. a fucking pro football yeah. player. And yeah, like a big ass a, guy. He's the best. He's a pretty I solid director. He's yeah. a good director. His fucking Mandalorian episodes are really good. Yeah. Both of them are good. But, uh, and I mean, Eugene Cordero says he was ama- he says he's amazing. Yes. Yeah. But yes, like liquid charisma. You're just like, and even just He's hit. hot too. He's I mean, so he fucking is aged hot. incredibly. He is hot in this. He's hot now. Yeah. He was probably hot when he was 22 years old and fucking <laughs> right, like catching passes at San Diego State or whatever He's it was. He's fucking so yoked in this movie. Yes. So proportionate. And his arc, and this is another thing I like picked up only in the last few viewings, is like they give him that moment of like, you don't have to do he's like, no, I, you know, and I owe it. And you're like, that's that's more than this movie needs. Agreed. And it's that's but that's what keeps this uh, well, elevated the whole time. Talking about the interesting politics of this movie. McTiernan said in the draft, the first draft he read, which I imagine was still written by the brothers. Sure. Uh, Dylan was, it's like halfway movie twist. Dylan is the bad guy. Yeah. He is the human villain kind of, kind of the of movie. Kind of a Rambo twist. Right. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. He set them up right. to fall, right? And McTiernan was like, a, I just like I don't think this movie needs a human villain. Right, we got the ultimate villain. Right, yeah. everyone is should be unified in trying to not get killed by the predator. Right. It's basically at this point chopper or no chopper. Right. Are your only well, choices. That's, that's something that this movie, when you watch it, you didn't know you were craving because every yes. action movie now is like we're actually the zombies. Right. We're actually the dragons. We're actually, and it's like fuck. And you. it always is the Jean Claude Van Damme. It always is the guy, the the sort of off you know, lead guy who's yeah. famous-ish. And it's like, they cast him so he can be the villain in the last yeah. act. Like, he'll Grace be the nice be the guy, guy and then yeah. he'll be the villain. But also McTiernan's like, look, I just don't think that's that interesting. And I think it's so much more interesting to give Carl Weathers as an actor rather than like, you're, a, you know, oh, is this guy a little suspicious and sneaky for the first half of the movie? And then you reveal he's like mustache twirling puppet master in the back right. in the shadows. It's like, nope. He fucking reveals where he was coming from. Schwarzenegger calls him out on it, and he has to suddenly assess, was I wrong about all of this? And the second half of the movie is him being like, I've, like, fucked everything up. I, like, followed a lie blindly. I sent another group of friends to death, yes. and I'm about, and I'm about and to do it again. I, like, yeah. believed yeah, the wrong thing. Yeah. Right? Which is, like, this whole movie... He gets movie to play it. He plays is, it well. If it's about anything deeper, this movie is about, like, American interventionalism. That's what it's about. No, it's, right. not, it's, not, it's not deep. Every 80s movie... You do an action movies podcast. Yeah. That yeah. is mostly about 80s movies. I'm steeped in the fucking, like, pseudo-fascist American politics of the time. Yeah. For, that is the anxiety of all 80s action movies, especially about soldiers, especially about soldiers going somewhere else. Yeah. It's like, we don't know how to do this anymore. We fucked this up in Vietnam. Like, that's Rambo, obviously, is the most obvious version of it. But, like, it's in all of these movies through the 90s. Guys in fatigues being like, oh, shit, and, like, shooting at a tree right. where nobody is. And then getting their fucking solar plexus transported to Venus, you know? <laughs> that story shift, though, I think is, like, it's not letting Dylan off the hook to make, like, an easier no. movie. It's actually making a it's messier more movie. It's interesting. Which is then halfway through, you're like, they shouldn't have been here in the first place. I love that Dylan's like little outsider status throughout the movie. Like yeah. when 
when he gets when Jesse threatens him, he's like, I don't know who you are, but you make noise again. And, and it's like, oh, this is fucking awesome. And everyone kind of gets one scene with Dylan where they're like, fuck off, square. Right. And it's so funny to cast. Carl Weathers as the, pencil as the pencil-pushing CIA yes. twerp yeah. is like Who's this gigantic. absolutely yoked stud. Right, introduced <laughs> with, of course, famously the manliest handshake of all time. The most famous picture in action movies. Yeah. My, my desktop wallpaper for yeah. 12 right. years. Like, <laughs> they can't have a normal fucking handshake. They have to have an arm wrestling competition like yes. just to say hello. But this is the little kid brain. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to back off my idea of the male gaze and okay. I'm going to go to little kid gaze. The little kid gaze. Because this is like you're just looking at two and the in a way gaze. we're objectifying these men yes. in a way that uh, it doesn't traditionally happen to men. It's like, this is about their fucking arms. Yeah. This is two important characters who have like a deep history and they're going to have some issues across this movie and connect and reconnect and save each other's ass. But their greeting is a single shot of a, a insert of two fucking baby oiled <laughs> arms yes. going like this vascular as fuck. You know, they were like hitting the bands and the dumbbells in between and no one looks cooler in this movie coming off the fucking... When they all come off the chopper in their street clothes with their cool sunglasses and shit. His long red polo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like weirdly long. Jesse Ventura's got like uh, fucking Linda Tripp glasses on. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's also McTiernan just like doing perfect tone setting of like, if I'm cutting into this shot of these arms styled this way with this intensity, you immediately know exactly what movie you're in. You do. But also, I mean, Aliens is the year before. I'm yeah. watching this movie and I believe, I wish at one year old I had watched this movie in theaters. Mm -hmm. But like being like those guys coming off the chopper being like, man, these guys are going to die in so many ways. Yeah. Like all these meatheads are going to go. Yes. I fucking love Aliens for all Obviously. the same reasons you Obviously. love this movie. Yeah. Uh, and aliens, aliens, that's Jim Cameron. So he's like, we're going to spend 25 minutes with these guys, like having breakfast, mm -hmm. right? Chatting to him. Predator. No, 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 no. Predator, the characterization of the, like, is just in their weapons. Yes. It's like, that's the big gun guy. That's the grenade guy. That's the knife guy. That's the guy. And you're like, got it. I'm in. I'm I'm saying, yeah. The shaving guy. Yeah. I'm the shaving guy. Shane Black is there. Yeah. He was brought basically because they were like, we'll, we'll cast you and then yes. you'll rewrite the movie on set. And he was like, I don't want to do that. I just want to be in the movie. That he, sounds great. He wanted to act more. Right. I'm hot. Silver I, can I be in the movie? Silver and are like, we'll get like free rewrites out of him here and we butter him up with the role. And then he gets there and he's like, no, I agreed to do this so I could act and be in Mexico. Right. And John Davis is like, kill his character off. <laughs> right. So that's why he dies immediately because he refused to do <laughs> any punch up. I mean, there's stuff... They were like, naturally stuff comes out of him on set that we then did use. Right, because you have yeah, a legendary like doing doing jokes writer. Right, yeah. and he would just be like, you know what would be funny is if you did this? So even aside from like the joke, the, the twice repeated joke, which is so good, is like his thing, right? Obviously, that's such a Shane Blackism. Yeah. But I also think there are like a lot of ideas he seeded throughout the movie, even though he refused to ever sit down and actually like run a draft through his typewriter. It's also just such a good comedy rule of threes of like, he tells the joke on the plane, it bombs, right? <laughs> and then the second time you're like, he's going to keep trying to make this joke work, but he does a variation of it. The guy's workshopping, right? Yeah. And he's just choosing the worst audience every time. Yes. He like, chooses Billy, who is like out to fucking lunch uh, for the second yes. joke, you know? Like and then you're like, great runner. Now this guy's going to keep one by one going through every member of the team trying a different version of the giant vagina joke. No, he's dead. No, he Don't, dies. Thank God. Two beats, does it twice dead. and then, all right. 
I mean, even the Predator's like, you keep doing the pussy line. <laughs> Get out of here. The movie, the script, it's like underwritten in a very interesting way, like you're yeah. saying. But everything someone says seems like something they would say. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like from Ventura's slinging the F word, you know, from yeah. uh, Billy's kind of like, and I ain't afraid of no man. Yeah. You know, like Bill all Duke, that- you believe it. You're like, yeah, this guy is ice cold. Ventura, you're like, if I saw that guy on the subway, I would like, oh, I want to get off this car. Like, like, I'm a limp dick. <laughs> what? Oh, no. <laughs> you know, Ventura would start talking to me on this. Hey, brother, like, can you tell me we're 50? I don't want to talk to you, man. I'm getting out of here. Um, I'm on the F train headed <laughs> north uptown. I'm getting off at East Broadway. Um, <laughs> where did the stonemasons meet <laughs> and plan out the forced demise of our planet? When I went on High and Mighty, I talked about the subway. Um, oh, just yes. remembering that. Um, and Ben, you did Grindset Mindset? Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the funniest thing for you to pick. It was, re- we, had a, we had a blast. It was really fun. We were both, ta- we realized that we have dozens of side hustles and that's something we have in common. <laughs> we were both entrepreneurs in <laughs> yeah. that way. Yeah. So, yeah. Someone recently, we, we were out at dinner. I mean, this was a couple months ago now. But we were like, you were talking about your fashion show and then uh, a friend of a friend went, uh, so I'm confused. I thought you said you were a podcast producer. You have a clothing line? You're like, well, I did a show for a clothing line. And he was like, was it a bit? And you were like, no, the clothes are real. And I could see you doing the thing you often do where you struggle to like explain your existence to new people. And then the guy just went, oh, I get it. You're, you're a multidisciplinary artist. And Ben went, Yes. Yes, that's exactly, <laughs> exactly what I am. The, like the relief. The Wait, say that. Say that again. Multidisciplinary. There's a C in there. Okay, got it. <laughs> yes. David. Yes. I hate planning weddings. You're always doing that. I keep getting stuck. Addicted to planning weddings. I keep getting buttonholed uh-huh. into planning weddings. Dragooned. I keep getting... Everyone's like, who would be good at this? Griffin Newman. People know that I am... No one understands mature adult love better than I do. Task-oriented. I love micro and macro managing. Punctual. Punctual. <laughs> Formal. Look, I've planned a wedding. As of I, I just told you, I planned a hundred. It's intimidating. It's not a competition. Finding the perfect suit though, Griffin, should not be intimidating. uh, That should not be a hassle. That, this is a good point. Indochino makes it easy to get a fully customizable suit Mm. right from home. Clickety-clack. Ding dong. Clickety clack ding dong. That's how I browse the internet. I, I, I go clickety clack clickety clack ding dong. My opinion has always been, and this is just my personal stance, wear just any suit on no, your big You want day. a really special thing. You, you want, want high a... thread count fabrics, patterns, and colors to choose from. And Indochino can help you design a suit perfectly tailored to your body and, and this is the harder thing, your personality. Uh, the whole thing with Indochino is the, the sort of the custom element, yes. right? Like they've got these lovely suits, mm-hmm. very affordable. And you can go to a showroom if you want to see um, styles for yourself and stuff, which is great. But this isn't off the rack stuff. No. They're going to they're gonna make something fit to your taste. I want this wool linen olive suit. Do you think it's time for me to get an olive suit? Yeah, I think you need a wool linen olive suit. Indochino lets you design any suit you've always wanted. Fine-tune every detail, lapels, linings, monograms, pocket flaps. They start at just $4.99 for suits. Fitted shirts start at $89. It's bespoke without that premium price tag. They've been dressing grooms and groomsmen since 2007, and we all know 
that was a great year for movies. That's a good point. Uh, you can set up your measurement profile on their website. You can choose fabric and customizations without even looking, leaving your house or book an appointment in a showroom near you. Let the style guides help you and your groomsmen with every detail. They've got a team of experts with the resources, style advice, and professionalism to make your dream a reality. And you can, if you want some groomsmen looking good too, you can get them involved. So I want to say this is two points, okay? It's a do and a don't. Do. Do. Go to Indochino.com and use code CHECK to get 10% off any purchase of $3.99 or more. That's I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O dot com, promo code CHECK. Do that. Don't ask me to plan your wedding. I'm begging you all to stop doing this. When planning your wedding, get a suit as unique as you with Indochino. Uh, and Griff, hey, could you, could you, um, could you do something don't, for me? Please don't. What is it? Just like, I, I, my friend's wedding. Oh, they don't have a planner. So, uh, we haven't mentioned the person who got fired from this movie. Not Shane Black killed off early, but mm -hmm. fired. And this is another thing that makes it insanely accidental. Yes. Jean-Claude Van Damme was the original Predator. Yes. Do you know this, Ben? I did not. He was going to play the Predator. In the suit. Because they were yes. like, oh, it'll be cool. He'll be agile. He'll like do kicks and shit. And... When you hear the guys in the movie talk about it, like they talk about it, like comes in here doing his fucking little gay kicks and shit. And we're like, what the fuck is that? And every, like the average height of the main cast is like six foot five. He's and Van Damme's like five tall. seven. Yeah. Yes. He's, he's listed <laughs> yeah. at 5'10". He is. No exaggeration. <laughs> no. Obviously, his whole thing is, yeah, he's flexible. He does the jumps. Right. He does yeah. the kicks. And they make this like dog costume it's, like I, it's more like a bug thing i can odd. show you what it looks like Have i've you seen, seen it, it? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah it's it, it's it's bad it's bad. i mean it's not the kind of thing where i'm like oh my god the ultimate predator is here like i'm not looking at that feeling it looks sort of like a jaguar right like like a yeah but sort of human jaguar yeah it's like a lycanthrope more than right. anything else let's let's Take a second here and dig in on well, using Van Damme too, but let's dig in on on the Predator design a little bit in this moment because that's a fucking another huge. He's like Arnold's like this sucks. I want me to talk to my friend Stan Winston, the yeah. best, and they're like, uh, sure. And when you hear Winston in the uh, in the If It Bleeds doc say, I was really inspired and like by a picture of a Rastafarian warrior that I mean, was on a producer's wall. And you go, I'm sorry, what? And that's what kicked him off. He drew it on a fucking plane, yeah. sitting next to James Cameron. Jim Cameron looks at what he's drawing and he's like, oh, that's cool. And he's like, I'm trying to figure out the mouth. He goes, and James Cameron says, I always want to do something with mandibles. And then Winston goes in, draws the fucking mandible, the iconic mouth predator. Yep. He fucking... That's Jim Cameron. And that's because Arnold is so likable and just did such good work with those guys that they're like, yeah, we'll Everyone fucking take a crack it. at it. Yeah. And this make, it makes the movie up fucking 33% better. But once again, it's like they have this bad design. They hire JCVD. JCVD was trying so hard to break into movies. Jackie Birch puts it as that he would just come to her office and like jump in the air and do kicks and, do kicks and, be, and be like, come like, on, don't you want to hire me? She'd be like, go away. Yeah. I know like five people who do that at Allison Jones right. casting. Now. Yeah, basically, he was doing he was doing exactly that, but with jump kicks. And so she's like, and then look, she's like, you know yeah. what? Here, you want a part? Here's what I could put you in. The monster who fights. 
Arnie. Arnie. And there are a lot of conflicting reports. And, and every Again, everyone has a different story. How this. everyone breaks down the timeline of what happened. But basically, he signs on to the movie. He does not understand how invisible he will be physically in this role. Yeah. He doesn't even know he's got to cover his face. Right. So he <laughs> thinks, like, everyone will see it's me. And they're like, this is great because he moves really well. We'll have a performer in the suit who can move really well. Right. He'll be able to do something really distinctive with it. So there's this humongous gap in communication where he's like, I want people to know who I am. And they're like, we just want you to do your fucking thing, but also use your body in the ways we want you to. And he's like, no, I have my own like demo run of like, <laughs> this is how I think the predator would kick or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And because he's little part of this design, which is entirely different and bad also is stilts, right. arm extensions. Yes. So he's moving and a lot more unnaturally. It goes like up. Right. Yeah. Like this, like it, uh, the, the original Predator suit almost looks like a Julie Taymor Lion King costume. Yeah, right. Yeah. It looks like something from Broadway. Or not to get, not to open up this bag of worms, but like those droids that fight the Jar Jar people. Yeah. Like with that weird, like curved head. Roger, Roger. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but the weird, like, you know what I'm talking about? The Lion King, like they yeah, have no, the yeah. mask. I know what you're talking over. about. Yes. I know what you're talking about. So Look, you're like, talking about I'm George the, Santos's Broadway play, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just like, it's kind of incredible that there's this, these two things colliding at the same moment. The design is bad and we've cast the wrong actor. Right. If it's only one problem or the other, they maybe hold their nose and like fight through it. Or they maybe just go like recast and put a, a new guy in the same shitty suit. There's also a story that like he kept swearing and screaming because he was so grumpy when he realized like, oh, I'm not like talking in this movie. Right. Like I'm just a stunt performer, basically. Now, yeah, I see how you sell it to Van Damme. You go, you're going to go fight you Arnold. Fight Arnie. And then he's like, like, oh, that is my future. Because yeah. he thinks like, oh, great. This movie is Arnold versus JCVD. And they're right. like, no, this movie is Arnold versus some guy in an alien and, costume. And mostly invisible right now. And the totally. script is about his cloaking. One, look, the stunt coordinator says that he threw the head of the costume on the floor and it broke and the head had cost like 20 they grand. They went to a costume And Joel Silver was like, you are fired. Get off this This is set. the other thing. Right. JJ did like four pages just on the JCVD of it all. Right. And basically 20 different people have accounts of this was the moment where he got fired or right. that he quit. And I think the reality is he probably quit 10 times and was fired 10 times right. Right. over the course of like two weeks. Dude, but just listen to the names that Sims is throwing out from the dossier. You got fucking, we're saying McTiernan, Van Damme, Arnold, Joel Silver. Joel Silver. Yeah. Like everything is just fucking, this is like peak fucking Hollywood. Shane this Black is, just like doing coke in a suite in Mexico with Joel Silver being like, I'm not writing fucking jokes for you. Him saying like the Predator should be a kickboxer and like, I'm just like Joel Silver, like rubbing his tumbles, being like, he's not a kickboxer. And right. John Clyde Van Damme supposedly said, kiss my ball. <laughs> like, everyone is just yelling at each other and like alternating kiss between him my quitting balls. and them firing him. <laughs> and they're trying to like work through it. And then it gets to this point of like complete breakdown. And also he's five, six or whatever. Right. He's very small. And someone's like, get Harry and the Hendersons in here. It's yes, like he never, the tallest man alive. He never alive. did principal photography, no. but he did do some amount of camera tests. Yes. And those were disastrous. And they were like, well, this doesn't work. We're not going to be able to work with him. This isn't effective on screen. Stop all of this. Continue shooting. Focus on everything but the Predator. <laughs> and we'll get to that later. They go to Rick Baker, who was the first choice, and go, like, can you redesign this? He's like, I'm doing Harry and Oh, Henderson. did I say Stan Winston before? Or no, no, they come back around to okay, Stan Winston. Yeah, yeah. Rick right. Baker was the first choice, he, but he's, he's doing busy. Harry. I Harry get those two guys Anderson's. confused all the time. Well, they're, the big, they're the big two. <laughs> but then they recommend this guy, uh, Peter Michael Hall? Peter Brandon Hall? Uh, no, the, the guy who plays the Predator. Yeah, Anthony uh, Michael Hall. Anthony Michael. <laughs> Kevin Peter Hall. 
He's seven two. Yes. He obviously is Harry of Harry and the Hendersons. Mm-hmm. He's in. He's done like some Star Treks. You know, he he's a tall man who can wear a suit. A gentle giant. Someone who Who's, everyone can move. Who yeah. worked with him speaks so fucking right. highly. Very of this very guy. well regarded. Died tragically young. Uh, but because you're that fucking tall, it happens to our giants. You know, yeah. I, although <laughs> we I, lose all of our best giants, he got he got a blood transfusion related case of HIV. Yes, oh, yes. like it's Just not absolute from like insane luck. Yes. Yeah, um, bad luck. The, um, uh, the story from If It Bleeds is like the, uh, they're super impressed that they saw the hotel bring a second queen size mattress into his uh, into his room and like. Yeah, his just his hotel room was mostly a bed because it just had two queens stacked next to each other. JJ put this in the dossier and it genuinely made me tear up. I find this very touching. Uh, it's an interview with Kevin Peter Hall, a part of a larger Predator piece from July '87, when in Fangoria, when this movie was coming out. So he's speaking as just like I'm doing an interview as the creature guy in the suit unaware of what legacy this movie is going to have. Right. Like, right? I, I don't realize I'm going to be the original Predator. Right. An iconic monster. Yeah, 25 movies will be right. launched yes. off this. Yeah. And he talks about the process of them, the suit getting redesigned, him coming in. And he said, I wasn't just shuffling around in a monster suit. I was kind of a puppeteer from the inside, attempting to give the creature some measure of personality as well as a Jaws-like sense of terror. There are a lot of subtle things, arm and body movements that I threw in that will probably be missed because of the emphasis on the action. But if you look closely, you'll see some interesting little bits that give the Predator a definite personality. And he's just like, I tried to do stuff. Who knows if any of it will register? And you're like, 35 years later, every other actor who plays a Predator is clearly working off of the language he developed. And no one does it as well as him. No. You're like, everyone is still doing like his finger movements. Is there anything better than someone who's like in the weeds artistically and humble at the same time? Totally. It's like one of my favorite genres of and interviews. And he's like, sort of like, I really thought about this and I tried and I tried to develop a language and we'll see if any of it comes across. No one's coming to the movie for this. And then you're like, every five years, Fox throws so much money at like, build a new suit. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. And this like, predator's big now. And none of them ever like move as well as he, he did. does make the movie because everything before the final show down is good. Yeah. And like the Predator being this unseen monster is cool. But if the final showdown sucked, this movie wouldn't be a classic. And the design is great. And like another Hail Mary pass of like fixing that before the bad one ends up on camera. But also it's like if you have a guy who isn't giving as good of a performance in those final 10 minutes when he's visible and, and sort of like conveying that much physically and that much menace and moving in such a bizarre alien way, you're like, this doesn't become like an important part of pop culture. The predator yeah, as like a yeah, creature, as an thing. idea. Right. He's the titular predator. And even just the close-ups where it's like, the only thing you're seeing from him are his eyes. Right. He's like a fucking emoting a lot. It's crazy that Predator and Alien were two franchises that have like two great movies. Uh, uh, three, I know. Uh, uh, <laughs> three for some, But then they like weave together and are like intertwined for a while. Then, like, in the recent years, have split back off and Prey is good and, like, Prometheus kinda, is kind of good. found themselves Yeah, again. Right. it's like they both, it was like, uh, you know, like a couple that got together and had a toxic relationship and yeah. they're like, I think we're better off friends. <laughs> and they kind of just go away and they both, like, have these great 
third acts in their lives. It's now like, I now I want to see like a Nancy the Myers way we movie. were but <laughs> yeah. about Alien and Predator. Predator. Yeah, the two right. characters, just them coming back together again and again. Yeah. yeah, over the years. But yeah, this movie basically had this like bifurcated shoot where they just had to shoot around. We haven't solved the actor. We haven't solved the suit. We need to go back to the drawing board. Stan Wimson's on board. He'll come up with something, but it's not going to be ready for a while. Along the Jaws parallel, right? Bruce yeah. was fucking breaking down. Right. So they had to figure out ways to shoot the movie without the shark in the shot. And that if, if Bruce is in the movie anymore, the movie sucks. Beyond that, mm -hmm. it's 100 degrees all the time. Yes. They decide to shoot in, you know, like West Coast of Mexico, which has, uh, what's the word, deciduous trees. Right. All the leaves have fallen off the trees. They have guys with 40 bags of leaves, like spreading leaves around because it needs to look like the jungle when they're not really even shooting in the proper jungle. But David, why did they film there rather than uh, the east uh, side of Mexico, which is where McTiernan wanted to film? Go ahead. Tell me why. Because that area where they were had nicer hotels. So right, Joel Silver right. made that choice. Right. Exactly. And they were like, yeah, fuck it. We'll just get leaf bags. Right. And day five, when the movie is starting to collapse and the JCVD is getting fired and they know they're going to have to go back to the drawing board with the suit. They also were spending so much time and money having like PAs throw leaves to set up every scene. This is what I'm saying. That he was just like, we have to change locations. Um, they're shooting at a 45 degree angle because yeah. like everything is on a crazy hill. Right. They're all getting bitten by like red ants and shit. Like, they do, mad they do finally like yeah. move to a lusher area after that first week or so of filming because on the commentary, McTiernan will point out like, this is from those first five fucking days. The amount of times I had <laughs> watch a kid put a leaf on the ground. Um, and um, yeah, it's that's true. And like McTiernan says, like, look, I see the movie in my head when I, you know, when I'm making it. I'm one of those guys, right? Yeah. So I think the extreme frustration of like, you don't understand. It has to look like this. And they're like, well, I'm covered in ants right now. I'm doing my best, John. I'm not sure <laughs> it's going to look like how it is in your head. Is like what all the crew are saying. To McTiernan talks about Anthony, let me get Anthony on the phone. <laughs> McTiernan talks about like when he reads a script, his term is I see the movie on the back of my eyelids. Like I see the right. whole movie. Yes, I right, see exactly right. what I want it to be, which makes sense because his movies are like so immaculately constructed with like these ensemble character pieces with like incredibly complicated visual geography and like story beats that have to be conveyed silently or through like camera movements or things like that, that he just sees it all. And then he's like, then the challenge is communicating that to other people and he doesn't like to storyboard because he's like I'm not just thinking about how visually I would approach a scene I'm thinking like exactly what lens I would choose from the get-go and if I'm hiring a storyboard artist I have to explain to them the spherical distortion of the lens I want to use and say well draw it this way with this in relation to this because even if they were six feet apart when I filmed it's going to be like this and he's like it takes longer to explain it to the guy in order to draw it. So the only time I'll do storyboards is if it's effect shots. Right. And they need some sort of like, you know, visual Start reference building, to be able yeah. to budget it yeah. out. I rewound this to try to see if I could get the text clearly. And, and McTiernan will kind of uh, go off on tangents, get distracted in the middle of the commentary. A thing I don't relate to at all. I think <laughs> if you start a point, you have to finish it. Clearly, concisely, with no jokes. Um Listeners are just steering their cars uh, into oncoming traffic at this point. <laughs> but he talks about another blanky related pileup. <laughs> I couldn't tell if I missed it or he actually just didn't explain it. But like another way in which this movie kind of gets like saved from calamity. The, the, I, I Was it? Uh, no, it was Boss Film who did the um, the special effects for this, which was uh, uh, Richard Edlund's company, which is like one of the best 
companies, uh, one of the big ILM expat companies of the early 80s. And Fox obviously wanted them to do the predator vision, thermal vision effect. Mm -hmm. And they're like, okay, we know how to do this. There's the real kind of equipment that like actual thing people use. So we have this giant camera and it's connected to an umbilical cord and we have to get it on a truck and it can only go four feet away from the truck. And it takes like two days to get one shot, but it will actually measure the heat so we can get the genuine image of what you want. And they get there, and because it's like 100 degrees in the desert, the environment and the bodies are the same temperature. So they're like, we have a solution for this. Here's what we're going to do. Before every shot, we're going to spray down this, the environment we're shooting in with ice water. And then we're going to build a fire. And we're going to have all the actors stand right next to the fire. And the trees are covered in ice water. And the actors next to the father, we make them run in, and we get the shot. And he was like, after four weeks, we'd gotten two shots. And they were incredibly expensive. And McTiernan was like, fucking... We cannot do it this way. <laughs> we right, cannot. Yes, and he was yeah. also like, they looked bad. They looked bad. I'm and sure they, were, they did. They, right. they looked real. Right. So McTiernan, coming off of commercials, goes to a commercial special effects house. Hell yeah. Behind Fox's back, because he's like, they wouldn't want me going to someone who isn't like a serious outlet. And he's like, let's just do like the fucking down and dirty version of this. Right. Let's like own the pixelation. Let's just, like, fuck with it. And they were basically, like, we have this red velvet suit. If you wear the red velvet suit, then it can, like, be like this. Because it's the, it's the furthest from the green foliage and the blue sky. Like, that's, so, yes. like, in order to key it out. Well, I think almost all the thermal vision then they ended up doing in controlled, like, backlot environments. Oh, because so you smart. see less of what's actually right, going on right. around it. So it also was able to, like, break it into a different unit. But he basically just figured out the most lo-fi way to do it. And then rather than getting approval from Fox, which they never would, just brought it back to them and was like, look, I just did like 10% of it in the time it took those guys to do 1% and for none of the money and it looks cooler. Yeah. And so the Predator vision itself is a special effect that's a huge win. Yeah. The vision of the Predator, the Predator's cloaking device is another special effect that is ahead of its time and a huge win. JJ put in here the, the explanation of how they do the cloaking thing, which sounds like the guy basically figured out a glitch that he could exploit to create the it's ripple a nightmare. effect. nightmare. You can look it up. I, I don't want to describe it because it takes too long unless you really want to. Like, the way they did it is basically, right, you shoot it like over and over and over again at different speeds, right? It's like basically doing like inverted mat lines. Jesus. It's very cool. The effect is awesome. Incredible. It really works. It's one of those special effects that like you can't do now no. with all the money in the world. No. You know, like, even now, they're like, yeah, well, let's just do what they did. You know, we'll right. make it, it look like it's that. It's something like, that only comes out of a weird quirk of right. how, like, film processing That I think works. was annoying. Yes. Like, you know, like, there's a reason you would never do it again, but, like, it looks so cool. It also solves Maybe this problem that a lot of movies have when depicting invisibility, where it's like, either you're showing me nothing. Right. I'm looking at a blank screen. Or which I'm is looking at footprints is usually one of the Right. Or I'm looking at, like, a translucent blue spectery version of the character, and you're like, well, then they're not invisible. It's, I can see them. Right. It's like, okay, so it's you make someone wear a bright red suit, uh, you remove the red with chroma key stuff so there's an empty area, then you repeat the take with a different lens, and you combine the takes optically, and, like, the shape is suddenly visible if you do that. Is yeah. how, I, I don't know, it sounds like a pain in the ass. I will say, on this viewing is the first time I really noticed... In the end, when the Predator passes Arnold, and Arnold's on the other side of oh, yeah. the cloak. Yes. And that's the first time I was like, 
That's even crazier, right? Oh, it's insane. Like, how the fuck did they do that insane. shot? Yeah. But it's also an effect where you're like, if I were in the jungle and I saw this with my eyes, I'd be like, I might be. Am I going crazy? Right. I'm hallucinating. Like, it does. It, it kind of has the that, air like, is heat, that heat wave right. exactly. energy. Yeah. You believe that these guys could see it and not think, wait a second, is there an alien it, in the forest with us? It's, that's why they're shooting at leaves. Right. Yeah. What does she say? She said the jungle is attacking She us, said the basically. jungle has, right. has came out and attacked And, me. like, yeah. Weathers finally sees, like, a predator, you know, sees the guy, yeah. the monster himself. But that's late in the film. Late. Another thing. Okay, so they they've been shooting for forty eight days. Yeah, their shooting schedule was fifty six days. They this shot was less the than point half. The I movie. pinned earlier. Exactly. So the big sequence where they blow up the you know the guy where they and, the big attacks this whole time because they're they still haven't solved the predator problem. Fox is like, is this movie like a right? They they're a getting mess. nothing. I assume in dailies. Basically, they're probably just getting dailies of guys like with big knives talking to each I other. I think McTiernan is also a guy who like shoots for the edit in such a specific way that if you're watching the dailies, it's kind of confusing because it only makes sense when he puts it together. Right, you're not going to piece like, oh, this is obviously that scene. Yeah, right. So they're like watching footage that doesn't make sense to them. The predator thing still hasn't been solved. They were like, is this maybe a cut our losses movie? Do we Zaslov the hell out of this fucking thing? Right. Don't zazz me, baby. Right. And and yes, he's like a week away from what was supposed to be his full allotted production time and like less than half the movie's been filmed. And they're like, you Silver's begging him basically. Eye candy. You something. have to let me like just outsource second unit, one big sequence off your plate. So the raid of the compound is all done by a second unit team that he was obviously like overseeing. Yeah. But all of those guys came from the A team. He was like, we need to hire TV guys who can work fast and just get this and done. What's your job? I drive Jeeps into things that explode. Exactly. A-team, I've been I, doing that for years. I, I direct people falling out of towers. It's like the most A-team shit ever. Because A-team yes. has that same G.I. Joe disease where no one ever dies. So, this, so you get people blown yes. out of things is right. famously what they do. But this is like a more violent A-team sequence that right. doesn't Joel have to deal with TV Silver censorship. Silver is screaming more blood, apparently. More blood. Yes. And they're getting probably the amount of money that they get for a season to do this one sequence. And these guys know how to do it so fast. And they've got fucking legendary action talent. Right. A great fucking location. And they get to use all the first team actors. Like, they're not using doubles. They're like, no, you get like a week, build this around each guy having a big moment in this sequence. This is like one of my favorite things, uh, you know, watching millions of action movies. The formulaic shit I do enjoy is like, open on a mission, let's see our guys crush it or our guy or yeah, our person. Right. Let's see this person absolutely crush it. Great shot. Yeah, this is <laughs> what it got a picture like. of the red velvet This suit. is what they're seeing <laughs> when they make this movie. They must just be thinking like, this is going to be the worst piece of shit. Uh, pin in the 18 thing for a second because I want to say this red velvet suit thing before I forget. McTiernan's big thing he was talking about was the struggle of like, how do you make the Predator move fast because the suit weighs 200 pounds? Is this the monkey thing? Yes. Yes, yeah. And it's like, we have to find ways. So he was like, I built this insane like bungee rig where right, all the weight was supported by like these cranes and the bungee, like industrial, like yes, 400 yes. foot bungee ropes. So there's one shot when he's running away on the rocks that he's like, that's the one shot where I got the fucking bungee thing to work. You successfully see him moving fast on his feet. <laughs> it only worked for five seconds. Right? At one point, they tried to put a monkey in the suit. So the big thing was for the thermal vision, he was like, we can get away with making the Predator move fast in the thermal vision. We'll have a monkey wear a smaller version of the red velvet suit, and then he could be climbing in the trees 
And he was like, we put this red velvet suit in the monkey. And I and the monkey, the monkey had him on the set and he was like running around the trees. He was great on camera. Put him in the suit. We put him in the suit. He comes out. You just saw it in his eyes. He was so embarrassed <laughs> to be wearing this suit. He got sheepish. He like he tried to take it off. Like, right? He was just like, no. But not even yeah. like he was like revolting and like, you know, you hear a lot of stories of like, oh, an animal and they get touchy and then they start throwing shit. Right. It wasn't like a nope situation. No. The monkey was just sort of like, this thing is like really Are you serious. It's really? kind of unbecoming. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to do it. And so Can I, just, I read for Dutch? <laughs> I didn't get my monkey footage. Um, but the A-team sequence is so big because it's like. The one set piece that has the energy of the fucking handshake, right? Right. And you need it because it's the last moment where these guys are in the movie saying, they John. think right. they're like, in. Let's watch these guys kick ass for a minute. Right, which I think McTiernan is like so hyper-conscious of not wanting to fall into the like America hoorah fascism G G shit. Oh, war movie. Right. Yeah. Like he makes this big point in the commentary of like, my my most pointed thing was the sequence where they just run their guns for five minutes as them shooting at leaves and then they're out of bullets and they look stupid. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, and I do the same bit in Die Hard. This was this era where the studios were like, they want the Rambo moment. Audiences want the Rambo moment of them just like unloading bullets everywhere. And he's like, the two times I've done it, they're shooting at no people. In Predator, it's at leaves and in Die Hard, it's at the glass. And he's like, and then people start copying my moment because I made it so much bigger and longer than everyone else. Except people, when other people do it, they put human bodies in front of it. <laughs> and then it just starts being uncomfortable. Right. I'm thinking of right now of the hot shots of part two when the boat fills with magazines. But you're <laughs> it like, starts sinking. This action sequence, he would have been a little more conservative about it, you have to imagine. Yeah. I, on top of the fact that it would have taken him six months just to get this sequence done, it helps to have this one sequence done by kind of junkier guys. I will say the shot when all of them are crawling in camo, you're like, that looks fucking awesome. It's like an overhead shot and Arnold Dutch is already there and everyone just kind of scurries up next to him. Yeah. And you're like, this fucking rules. The second Arnold's like, you guys, guards, you guys, tower. Uh, no one do anything till I blow the fuel pump. You're like, oh, fuck it's, yeah. it's just like, it's unbelievable little boy shit. And it does feel so G.I. Joe. And it feels like, oh, here's the button to like activate the trap door that makes the bad guys fall down. Right. And like right. fire spring-loaded missiles at them. Wait, is this truck just here running? Yeah, perfect. Right. Yeah. You have so much fun with it. But then, of course, it ends with Arnold being like, what the fuck was this, by right. the way? You know, that's why it works. Yes. Is that you can have the moment after. Total deflation. Of Weathers being like, I'm sorry, this is kind of bullshit. Like, I, well, I also, basically. Yeah. How gleefully they're like engaging in this, which is then going to get flipped on them of right. like, this is like a sport for you. This has been gamified. Like the crew in Predator acts, even when they're just in the chopper at the beginning, the way like my buddies and I would at a laser tag birthday party. Oh, yeah. Where you're like, we're going to fucking annihilate out there. <laughs> you're like, yeah, but you have real bullets and you're shooting at like real people and you don't even really have a grasp of the geopolitics of the mission you're on. And they're just sort of fucking high-fiving each other. And then immediately it's like, guess what? You guys are fucking in the middle of someone else's game. This predator is just doing this for no fucking You guys were actual pawns. The thing that is going to kill you is just a bad, right. wrong place, wrong time. You were yeah. political pawns just to, like, get a job done. And we're being lied to. And now, by the way, you guys are the targets in someone else's fucking game. I love when, in this sequence, when Jesse gets shot, I ain't got time to bleed. And then he's like, do you have time to get in undercover? <laughs> like he's like, do you have time to hide? And he fucking launches like three grenades up there, and the, and you just debris flies off, and you just know that the some dude up there was absolutely pink misted. It fucking rolls. 
They built this gun to be like, what's the biggest possible gun we could, what like the biggest the gun you've ever gun? seen in a movie. It's the, a minigun, the Gatling gun. Uh, yeah, but his, they have no, a name, name for it. What is it? Fucking, I'll look um, it up. Oh, it's like, you know, because they do the it's whole It's like thing. Little Sweetie or some shit. Yeah. Like that. Old Painless. Old Painless. <laughs> but they build this gun for him. I think he is physically the biggest guy. In he's huge. The movie, yeah. he's so big. No, uh, what's his name is? Billy is big. Oh, Billy. Sunny. Billy's like seven foot eight. Sonny is like a legit fucking huge guy yes. and terrifying. And of course, I'm, I think this is like, I. this is how the, the movie's so in my bones. I'm like, I know this is common knowledge, but I will throw out that contractually, Sonny had to have a bodyguard, not to protect him, but to protect other people from him. Do you know this, Ben? This no. is real ass This shit. is real. The studio would only let him be in the movie if they hired a guy to make sure he didn't hurt anybody or like fuck anybody up. All the guys like went out drinking in town like the first weekend before filming started and he caused so much trouble that they were like, if you don't have him watched at all times by a guy who's even bigger than him, he's going to end up arrested before this movie is over. Okay, he's officially my favorite now. I mean, he also, he's awesome in the movie, too. He's, he's, he did porn. He posed oh yeah. for Playgirl. He did that. that was before this. He ran this. for governor of Kentucky at one point, well, being so, like, well, if Jesse Ventura can do it, it was like, bro, and then Arnold does you it. have a criminal record. But Arnold <laughs> Arnold gets elected. Jesse gets elected governor. Arnold gets elected governor, right? I think SNL did a sketch where it was Carl Weathers saying, and now I'm going to run for governor. Right. Anyone in the cast funny or or something joke, like that. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Everyone was doing that. Billy straight up did run for governor three times and lost <laughs> on like very controversial platforms. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think his politics are good. No, I think in fact they were quite bad. And uh, eight, uh, the politics of this movie and the whole GI Joeification of these characters, yes. he's indeed native yes. and a tracker and like, <laughs> yes. and like spiritual and like communicates with the beast. Like, right, which is like straight up a GI Joe character. I, I mean, named spirit. I think. Yes. We yes. talk about it on action boys all the time. Yeah. There was a period for like maybe 15 years in movies where Asian people and uh, natives were magical, but there was also a war path of the X-Men. Uh, yes, that's true. And Thunderbird. And Thunderbird, yes, the right. Native Brothers, Brothers, characters. Right, yes. Yeah, the proud stars. The proud stars. Yeah, I mean, look, there's a, yeah, there's a sort of Apache warrior type, you know, like 70s stock action figure, yeah. right? Tarantino loves to like jokingly play with that kind of like, like Brad Pitt's character in Inglourious Bastards is like, right, he's sure. supposed to be, I'm one eat the Apache or something <laughs> <Yeah>. like that. <laughs> well, you know? the Billy Jack is right. Is, right. Um, it's but, at least a diverse cast. It is. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. It's like for the time. Oh, yeah. for the time. Yeah. For the all the way up through like the mid aughts, this is considered basically movie, until yeah. the Fast and Furious. Well, also, it like, does have one woman who's mostly like going like, "What the fuck did you say?" <laughs> yeah, like, or like, not like, talking. Eight, yeah. eight different like fucking roid heads get to shake her at different points in the movie. Like she does not have a ton to do. She's a good actor. I mean, she she yeah. had a great career after this. Uh, she's a real actor. Yeah, uh, for sure. And like, uh, she's an independent spirit nominee yes. and all that you know like yeah she she had a good career and, and of course uh 2023 topped it off by playing blue beetles mom is that right yeah i need to see that movie Dude, um i will I'll, I'll say on record holy shit that movie was so much better than i expected it to be fun. i've heard Dude, it's fun there's a joke where a, a girl yeah a, a, the blue beetle sister is like yo i gotta take a dump can you watch the door and i was like this is so childish, but also grown up and a real understanding of like comedy. There's real specific characterization in right, that movie. Right, yeah. Also, and George Lopez, George is, Lopez on fire. is unbelievable. Yes. I love George Lopez. <laughs> George Lopez is All like, right, I'll check it out. I'll check it out. You're winning me over. It's on Max, baby. George Lopez Zazzy, is not only thank like you, Zazzy. landing every joke, but you're like, there's like a weird amount of depth to this character. I cried during 
Blue Beetle. Yeah. I was fucking, I was into it. I was I caught up. Yeah. Looking at the box office. David, it did okay. <laughs> it did not. David has points. That's why he's uh, mad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he refuses to watch it now. I'm the one WB guy who's still trying to make the company money. Everyone else got fired. He went long on Blue Beetle on the Hollywood Stock Exchange. <laughs> he's been smarting from it all summer. David? Yes. You like to treat yourself, uh, right? Absolutely. I feel like you're the one friend in our friend group, Blank Check Productions, that likes to treat yourself. Got to do it. Here's some things I know about you. You love to get a pedicure and opt for the extra 10-minute foot massage with green tea-infused lotion. I mean, that's very specific, but sure. You refuse to make coffee at home because that fancy coffee shop is right downstairs, the one that serves everything on pure ivory. Uh, yeah, that's me. You opt for that extra legroom seat on the plane because your vacation starts now. I, I do do that also because I'm I'm quite tall. Okay, well, that's a humble brag. You always buy double at a sale because it's actually like saving money. I'm going to tell you, I don't think I've ever done that. I got that's, you dead that's, to right. Really I named four <laughs> things that you specifically do, none of which are prompts from ad copy. Never. Well, David, if you treat yourself to the top options with everything in life, why settle when finding a doctor? It is my Why health. is that when you settle? That's a good point. For less. I, I should I should go for the best. Don't you want the extra legroom of medical care? Well, I just don't know where to look, so I just kind of, you know, wing it. Creak. Enter ZocDoc. Hello. Hello, I am ZocDoc. <laughs> uh, are you the place where you can find and book tens of thousands of top-tier doctors, all with verified patient reviews? Yes, it is your health, after all. Uh, okay, well, uh, here's some things I've heard about ZocDoc. You're David, a freak. Don't go settle. Go for the best. Find the right doctor for you. Come to me. You're a free app and website where I can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near me and instantly book appointments with them online. Got more options than you know. Uh, once you find a doctor you want, you can book them immediately. No waiting on hold with a receptionist. Oh, I hate it. They all have verified reviews from real actual patients. I love it. And you can filter for your insurance, for where they're located, and if they treat any condition you're searching for. Wait time, typically, to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is just between 24 and 72 hours. That's it. That's it. And look, worst case Sometimes scenario, same day. you land in the middle there, you got a little Nolte Murphy on your hands. Exactly. Head. You could even throw in another eight hour, 48 hours. Well, then we're going over. Well, I'm just saying if you're watching them. Those films are actually about two hours. Oh, so maybe in a best case scenario, you watch two Walter Hill buddy cop films. And ZocDoc has times. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Listen. Listen. I've used ZocDoc. It's really easy to mm -hmm. use. You should too. Uh, go to ZocDoc.com slash check and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C.com slash check. ZocDoc.com slash check. You said download by accident. Download it. You're getting Z-pilled. You should download ZocDoc. Zai. It's a great cast. Yeah. Bill Duke, obviously, is like one of... He's a, a great, great actor, like, who's always so arresting physically, yeah. and, like, his eyes are amazing. But he's also, like, one of the great black filmmakers, like, yeah. in American history. Because McTiernan went to AFI as well, is that correct? Yes. He's... I think Bill Duke and... He and Bill Duke overlapped, or Bill Duke was a year or two ahead of that him. Works. I mean, that's why... Obviously, Bill Duke was in good graces with Fox and Schwarzenegger because of Commando. But McTiernan was like, I fucking love that guy. And that's like, a, 
Much like bringing Shane Black on set, you're like, you're only going to benefit from having the mind of Bill Duke filmmaker also there. Him being like his type, his physical type is so specific that he's not a fucking muscle head. No. But he seems so hyper capable and scary. He just seems like a fucking hard man. Quietly six foot three. Yeah. There's something so deeply haunted about him. His eyes. He's got like... uh droopy the dog like yes. face like a hang dog face I mean, he looks incredible now like the current day bill duke like him in high flying bird where now he's sort of gaunt it's amazing in that movie no one looks better with bloodshot eyes no. than yep. bill duke yeah, my, he's an old hound my brother james yeah. and i exclusively refer to him as the great bill duke he oh. is the great bill duke. like it's that is his full proper name and we're like you know who's good in that fucking movie the great bill duke you know, you know who they just cast in this thing? The great Bill Duke. One of our biggest controversies was in that episode of the Predator episode on High, on High and Mighty, we kept calling his character Duke, not Mac. And we had to like issue a formal apology. You want to call him Duke. <laughs> right? It makes sense. It's a, it's a G.I. Joe. It's literally a G.I. Joe name. Yeah. But Mac is a great name. Everyone's got great names, too. Yes. Billy Hawkins. Uh, it's fucking uh, Duke Dylan. But I just like. Wait, what's Ventura's name? Blaine. McTiernan's, uh, yes. like, insanely good ensemble thing is just from that opening chopper sequence where they're basically three lines of dialogue, maybe, at most. Yeah. And it goes on for a long time. Looks awesome in that red light. Looks too. awesome, but they basically admitted the footage was so good that we didn't want to, like, we just wanted to use as much of it as we could, so that sequence is, like, five or six minutes long. All the chopper flying from a distance shit looks so awesome. He Chopper's just, landing. Ugh. He cast guys with different looks, with different energies. In that one scene, everyone gets, like, a handle. Yeah. Right? They get like at least one thing where you're like, okay, Shane Black's reading the comics again, tell the joke, right? Like this guy looks Bill Duke's like dry this. shaving. He's a psycho. Right. There's yeah. just like one sure thing. When he drops the razor, you know he's doomed. Each guy does one thing where you're like, okay, now I remember who he is. Jesse wants everyone to be, Blaine wants everyone to be sexual tyrannosaurs. He spits on Dylan's foot. Right. And says some shit. They say some shit to Dylan like, you fucking CIA fuck. We don't trust you. I want to, I want to zoom out for a second here because I, the way, I knew Predator as, like, iconography, right? And, like, Alien versus Predator. And then when I, until I was, like, 13 or 14, I think I always was like, well, there's Predator, which is some franchise like Alien, where there's another weird-looking alien that, like, kills people. And then I know there's, like, a video, there's a VHS cover I recognize that is Schwarzenegger in the crosshairs, yeah, and it's just called crazy Predator. Yeah, picture. Right. And I was like, I think conflating that predator with commando. And I was like, they're two different things. There's like some Schwarzenegger action movie called Predator. And there's whatever franchise the predator comes from. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and when I was 13, my friend Lucky Gretzinger at summer camp was like, you know, when Arnold Schwarzenegger fights the predator. And I was like, wait, what are you talking about? And he was like, that's the same that movie, that's the same movie. And I was like, I've only seen pictures of Arnold with a bunch of commandos looking cool. And then I've seen action figures of the Predator, right? That's such a funny way in, yeah. That's, that's the such, same yeah. movie. And he was like, that's the whole pitch on that movie is the first half of it just feels like some Arnold Schwarzenegger action movie. And then boom, suddenly you realize you're in a totally different film and like the realities change. And now it's like a horror movie. They're getting plucked off one by one. The fundamental tension of this movie in development, in shooting, all the way through editing, is that McTiernan was like, uh, I'm making a horror film. Right. I like the monster movie part of this. Right. right. 
And this is, jo- and then there were none. They're going to get right. picked off. And yes. Joel Silver was like, war movie, war right. movie, war movie that happens to have an alien in it. Right. And both guys are pushing so hard on their thing that it's a rare movie that does feel like it's successfully doing both things at the same time. Right. It is two kind of different And the tug movies. of war is interesting. It is. But what else happens, Griffin? They fucked up the Predator design. They don't have a monster. Yeah. They have to shut down production because they don't have a monster. Yes. McTiernan cuts what he has together, which is basically probably the two first two thirds of the movie. They're at right? the point where they're like borderline. We could scrap it. And, yeah. And save shows it to Fox. And yeah. Fox is like, this looks good. Like, fine. Here's your money. Go finish it. Right. And I think for the last part of the movie, which they're is the so most powery, yes. McTiernan, right, finally actually has like, okay, they want what I'm doing. He had like, wind in his sails. Yeah, he had the exactly. support. He And had cut some shit together. And, and of was, course, by then they have a monster. Like, right. You know, which right. is Right, so cool. they were suddenly like, this design rules. This shit's cutting together well. This actually might be a hit. This movie is like better than we thought it was going to be. Than we commissioned it to be. Right. Like it's over delivering. Just to jump back to the Predator for yep. a second. We said, when he looks at things in heat, when he, they look at things in heat vision, it looks awesome. Yeah. When they look, when you look at their cloaking, we didn't talk about the sound design of the Predator oh, is yeah. so yes. fucking awesome. Yes, dude. The whip cracks, the fucking, even the sound the uh, all his uh, guns make, the parrot, uh, parrot gun, the sound it makes when it moves, his like sort of distorted repetition of other things that the car- people have said so in the movie. Cool. It's so fucking cool. It's freaky. It's really spooky. When he took, it takes out the toolkit to stitch up his own wounds. It's all real uh, veterinarian's equipment. And McTiernan was like, you have to convey these complicated things to an audience really quickly where it needs to like look unlike medical equipment they've seen, but it also needs to be recognizable as medical equipment, Dude, which is the specific line they're like towing on every element of his I'm like, thinking existence. the exact same thing you're thinking there when the countdown thing goes off on his arm. And it's like, there's not real numbers, but when the first one disappears, even Dutch is like, well, I think when all three disappear, this is going to blow up. He said, we were so fucking worried about that. And we go into the first test screening being like, the the nuclear bomb is not going to work and we're going to have to figure out how to recut it. And he was like, they understood it immediately. I couldn't believe it. It was like shot in the dark. We were ready to rework it. It's fairly complex. It has not been set up earlier in the film. And you like just just go like cut in tight to a bunch of alien numerical symbols (laughs) on a gauntlet. And the audience was like, I understand what's going on here. Um, But wait, the thing I was going to say, going to this final section of the movie, which like a lot of it was shot chronologically. As it's going along, they're moving to the better location. They're getting wind under their sails. They're getting more movie done. There's Conditions have improved. The foliage has improved. Investment of money. Ants are gone. Yes. I don't know if the ants were gone. Um, the other thing McTiernan said is like Arnold slims down as the movie goes on. Mm, but he end does. Of it, he's yeah. looking really gaunt in the face, which plays into him being kind of haunted of like this guy's maybe like he's collecting PTSD in real time. Right. right? Yeah. Here's this guy who's like served in Vietnam and still treats everything like, you know, like a night on the town. Right. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> like, this is going to like be point of no return for him. And it was. Um, Arnold uh, went out to a restaurant and got, quote-unquote, Montezuma's Revenge. They call it Traveler's Diarrhea in triv- in IMDb Trivia, and I'm yes. proud of them. Yeah. McTiernan makes a point of saying, I think Montezuma's Revenge is bullshit. I've shot other movies in Mexico since then. I now know who to, how to do it. You, like, basically hire one restaurant to be your catering for the entire production, and you just control that restaurant. The only people who get diarrhea when they go to Mexico are tourists. He's like, natives... Do not 
get diarrhea from their own food. It it's only the tourist trap restaurants. Right. You have to find legitimate restaurants. Arnold went to some shitty like fucking tourist trap restaurant <laughs> with his boys. And then, That's like, probably true. I mean, yeah. it's, it's often a water thing yeah. in another country. It's like, you know, whatever. Even if you eat a salad or something, maybe they it's washed it. Or the ice cubes in your right. drink. Right. Yeah. Right. But he was like, what you're seeing on screen, his gauntness, isn't from him being sick. It's that he got sick the one time at the beginning of the shoot and then got so on edge that he didn't want to eat during filming. Right. So he's actually just kind of starving himself out of fear. And he already was cutting down a little bit to play Dutch because yeah. he thought like he would Dutch wouldn't be too huge and buff. And so he was already kind of like trying to lean out and, uh, you know, and so then he leans into that and then it adds so much. And then when yes. he's caked in mud, he doesn't look like, uh, you know, a fucking Stretch Armstrong doll. You know, he looks like a fucking guy caked in mud. And especially in comparison to Commando, it's like opens with him like holding the fucking tree trunk over his head. One of the best character introductions in an Absolutely. action movie ever. He just comes back, chainsaw in one hand, tree trunk on his shoulder, and he's like, my daughter, I hope no one kidnaps you today. <laughs> McTiernan, Insane sequence. McTiernan's like, I get it. That's cool. It works for that movie. We need to like set you up as more of a normal guy in this right. film. You get a red polo. Right. And you can have a cigar and sunglasses. Don't right. worry. Because we have to like sort of like break your soul as the movie goes on. And there has to be this human triumph of like you pushing through this. When he's, I mean, I've, you know, yes, the, they fool the predator's vision by dumping him in mud. Like it's this inadvertent thing. But when he's set up the trap mm -hmm. and he's lying there and he's like, come on, kill me, kill me. You know, like, yeah. He he sells that he's kind of gone crazy yeah. by that point. Like it totally works both in terms of his mania of like I've almost got you, mm -hmm. and also his mania of like I this is it for me probably right. Yeah. Like yeah, he's really good. And that sequence too, uh, fucking the predator sells. What is going on? Predator's man? really good at the kind of yeah animal kind of cocking of heads. Yeah, yeah. The shit you got to give Hall credit for. I, it's true. I won't give him credit. I'll give it to Jean Claude Van Damme. <laughs> so that is David. They knew they wanted someone with at least three names to play the Predator, <laughs> yes. maybe four. Uh, yeah, they were like, you got no, too many names, JCVD. What he's saying in that quote, the, like the puppeteering no, right. side of it, that he's just like really smart of understanding a visual language that will... When he's like, come on, come on, and you see the Predator go like, wait a minute, why do you yeah, want me to go bullshit. in there? So, right. right, yeah. And, and them realizing that it won't attack them if they're unarmed, like all these fun elements of like, oh, you have to like get into his head as a gamesman. Right, yeah. And like, what is the sport of this for him? It would be so easy for this movie to, like you say, just reshoot something to be like, ah, the audience doesn't get it. It's a countdown clock. Ah, right. the audience doesn't get that it's the most dangerous game. Like, you know, let's have some computer that goes like, target identified, right. yeah. you know. Continue it, your it, hunt, right. Mr. Predator. Right. Never does anything <laughs> Never. like that. No, no subtitles it's just the over. weird, yeah. and like, like triangle. The last 30 minutes when basically everyone else has died, it's just silent Arnie, like, going through the physical motions of how to take it down. There's no scene where he's like up against a, a tree and he's like, okay, Dutch, think, think. Yeah. How do you beat the predator? You know, like he's- like, It's so awesome that like, all we've seen is cool gun tech. Yeah. All we've seen is giant knives and they have to like break it down to like wooden sticks, it's mud. Like fucking home yes. alone. All it is, yeah. A little jungle. A little bit. Well, it, it is sort of like, it's- a kind of rip from aliens too, right? No, yeah. no. What, what can we use? Bad language. No pulse rifles. No flamethrowers. No blah blah blah. You know. And it's like, oh shit, we're back to bare bones. You know, like swords only. Like it's, it's like Goldeneye slappers only. <laughs> there, 
their original plan was for the, the new predators. James Bond should be slappers only. Yes. That's what they should announce. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't it be really fun if in the new Bond, it's uh, whoever it is, it's Dev Patel, yeah. but he's whipping proximity mines relentlessly <laughs> the whole time, just absolutely nuking everything. There's no like nuance to his act. How great would it be if they announced the next movie was GoldenEye 64? They go, we're adapting <laughs> the beloved James Bond entry. One of the last remaining works in the Ian Fleming canon the that has yet to be adapted. Light. <laughs> uh, you put a PC-90 to Baron Samedi's head and fucking <laughs> rip the trigger. Put 80 bullets into and you stand on the body armor. <laughs> um, they The original plan was for the Predator's blood to be orange. Right. And sure. it was because they were like... You always blood color. Well, they were like, we want an alien blood color and it can't be green because we're surrounded by green. Right. It won't stand out. And there was some problem, I think, maybe with when they changed the technology of how they were filming the vision... Uh, where like they they thought it would be easier to key out or whatever it was. It ended up being an issue and their quick fix was the alien blood in this movie is they just bought glow sticks in bulk and broke them over and the And mixed dude. it with uh, KY jelly. It's just straight up. Or Vaseline, yeah. Like it's the toxic shit inside of glow sticks. It's awesome. It looks so fucking cool when cool. you first see it on a leaf. Right. And we know aliens need uh, like crazy colored blood, like David said. Yeah. But we also, Clean, for the blood. entire premise of the movie, yeah. we need to know. We need to know that, that it can bleed. bleed. Yeah. But also, True. it's like, Materian's like, I saved us so much fucking money here. Like, suddenly, none of this has to be in effect. It's We're just buying glow sticks and pouring them on a guy. It's all in camera. And it has the special effect quality of it's glowing. Right. They called it like Mountain Dew on set or something. Yeah. Like that was like one of the games. <laughs> it's crucial that they then, when the movie was done, you know, told Alan Silvestri to put 18 million brass instruments into a tiny room and have them all play at the same time. The like to be loudest score of yeah. all time. There's, I mean, I just really clocked it in this one. The the distinctive, especially 80s Silvestri. Dun 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 dun. Oh, yeah. Like he's got his thing in all the scores where it's like the short bursts of like, he, like, is giving Joel Silver his war movie score yeah. and giving McTiernan his, both. like, suspense score. Right, right. Like, he can do both, right? This, this movie is truly both, and it's not, like, what's interesting is the tug-of-war between the two creative sides resulted in something in the middle. It's, like, the movie itself is textually, like, basically an alien and a soldier fighting for who has control over the movie. And, like, yeah. the genre yeah. being dictated by who's winning the scene. What's your guys' favorite death or kill, either by our I good mean, guys or by it, the Predator? It's, the fucking weather is going out arm by arm. Well, dude, on this, and this is the the viewing I noticed where Dutch goes, Dylan, and throws him like, he has like a full long gun already, and he throws him like another little long gun. He's like, this, with the two of them, you could probably beat the Predator. <laughs> and But instead, it's like, oh, that's just setting up Chekhov's arm decapitate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But also for him, there's a bit of a suicide thing too. Of yeah. like, they're they're all hitting this like Vietnam. Like, what were we even doing here in the first place? Yeah. And now I brought us all here. So if I can go out there and fucking hold shit off, right. I will. Yeah. I think uh, Ventura getting his chest like caved in is awesome. It's yeah. So awesome. Uh, watching that gunfire, also famously, that thing is so awesome on camera, but it could not shoot more than five seconds yeah. at a time. <laughs> right. I mean, those fucking miniguns are like, they it, they're said, ridiculous. They built it for him of like, we need to build the biggest gun possible that this guy could actually like wield. 
and then it was too heavy for him to like. It's right. so funny how much he likes that he has the big gun. Yeah. Like he in all the fucking behind the scenes stuff when he's talking, he's like, and of course they wanted to give me the biggest rifle because I have actual combat experience. He says in that if it bleeds, which I think is really funny. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I'm having a good time down in the jungle, but let's just say I wouldn't actually want these guys on a real <laughs> mission. It's like, yeah, of course. Not. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would maybe bring Bill Duke. <laughs> Shane Black's got a, two good jokes in his pocket. Um, yeah. No, wait, the, like the prop gun, when he's lugging it around, they basically had to hollow it out. <laughs> and so when it's firing, they like frame it in a way where you like don't really see that it's being supported by other things or it's only for a short period of time. But otherwise they had to make sort of like the junked out version of, of it. The action is very simple like that. Yeah. And a lot of the deaths are very simple and like, yeah, just, you know, someone gets blasted and that's it. Like, I love that when they, when they start to realize that the predators like collecting oh, trophies. Yeah. And they're like, everyone, everyone get up on the bridge, Bill Duke. And again, anyone with specializations, Bill Duke, you do your thing with claymores and traps. Yeah. You're the sweatiest. So we'd love to see close-ups of you putting fucking uh, clay and pins and shit. I just, <laughs> just doing that shit. He's like, uh, you get up here on the tower. We'll do this. And like, everything's all squared away. And then he just still just comes in, murks people. And they're like, okay, this motherfucker's in the trees now. <laughs> <laughs> motherfucker's in the trees. Motherfucker's in the trees. Um, apparently Peter Cullen did the Predator voice. Yes. Yeah. Optimus Prime. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. Um, according to the, uh, the IMDb trivia, he had like really fucked his throat up on like a preview on the previous gig. He primed too hard. Yeah. So I don't, I don't even, I don't know. He kept screaming Sam Witwicky, uh, <laughs> Unicron. <laughs> Autobots roll Autobot in. <laughs> I love those fucking, the monologues at the end. Autobots, together we realize the Earth is our home. I, <laughs> every fucking Transformers movie ends with him being like, I've realized this. And I'm just like, you're still a fucking car. Shut the fuck up. You don't it, live here. It is my favorite part of the Transformers franchise. It gets me hard every single time. I mean, it's for millennia. Cuts, cuts we have like, looked. A young Latino soldier just like saluting <laughs> right. Optimus Prime or whatever. And like Bumblebee shakes hands with like a blind Asian <laughs> non-binary person. It's like, what the fuck is going on in this movie? It's like I've learned these human beings have more than meets the eye. <laughs> what I've done? <laughs> like that fucking right. Eight Chevys like go through a sunset. Yeah. Sorry, Michael public Bay is masturbating in his trailer. <laughs> Sorry, public transit. We are a car country. <laughs> is there a subway transformer? There should be. Oh, They're man. fucking shit. He's got a British They're accent. Train it's, Transformers. It's the tube. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're locomotive Cheerio. Transformers. There have to be like, there must be like an Acela Express Transformer. But like, do like that. Do Subway Transformers. Yeah. Like that's just a franchise unto itself. That meme of like blank movie if it came out in 2007 that is just the movie ends like the end of the first Transformers <laughs> with the drop of the Linkin Park song. It always works the for me because I'm like, really yeah, that is... <laughs> That is how every movie should end. Every movie should end with Optimus Prime going like, remember when I asked if you thought building this bomb will end the world? I am become Shiva Destroyer of Worlds. Uh, wait, while we're on just stupid internet memes, did yeah. you ever, do, do you guys know the one where Predator opens up his... Uh, his like explosive arm thing, and then he's just like do 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 do. He starts playing Axel Foley yes. on it. Very cool. <laughs> he's just like cuts to like a guy doing a synth version. It's the, so the Predator is just funny. 
He is. He is uh, funny. He's like, an ugly motherfucker. You are one ugly motherfucker. The Predator is basically always funny because unlike the the Xenomorph, who I love, no disrespect, but there's there's intelligence to the Predator. There's a strategy. Well, here's there's the thing. This sort of, what's this guy doing? Well, I'll say, I think what it is is there's the status. The Xenomorph sure. is just trying to survive. Correct. It's yes. a motherhood it's, story. It's right. a bug. Yeah. Predator right. is hunting humans. So it has personality, but it also deserves any fucking ire you want to give it. Right. So you can like go like, all right, you sassy little dreadlock <laughs> fuck. Let's let's do this thing. I like when he hits when, right. our, when Dutch He's hits him with the lock. high status. <laughs> yeah. It's always funny to make fun of the president. <laughs> right. Exactly. Because they've been elected to the highest office. <laughs> when he hits him with the fucking log and he's like, oh shit. <laughs> like, like, I love Arnold's acting there is so awesome. The guy just takes, the predator just takes the log to the dome and he's like, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, he basically sold him on the like, yeah, the fake trap. Like this movie could end with, you know, greetings Dutch. Yeah, the, the being you encountered, like, you know, someone explaining what just happened. It doesn't at all. The whole final chunk was supposed to take place on the alien spaceship. Right. That the makes final sense. Battle. That's the Predator 2 ending. And the yeah. budget got pulled. And right. McTiernan was like, it was a gift in disguise. I was like really annoyed by it at the time. It's why they put the spaceship at the beginning because they're like, we need some visual representation. And Prey does the same thing too. Yeah. That's Prey's move too. Like, we landed. <laughs> but it's so much better remaining in, in the woods, in the mud, all of that. Um, but yes, look, like no, no. It's just what the fuck are you? And he's just like, I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to nuke nuke myself instead. Yeah. Which McTiernan said is based off of a dream he had in high school that he cool. has never gotten over, where he in the dream was suddenly in Los Alamos with Teller, telling of him we're about Penn to and Teller. Yeah, no, because he says he's telling him, so Teller yeah, wouldn't talk. No. Penn is going. Listen here. My Listen here. is the same as my <laughs> Pendulette. Let's go to a sex club. <laughs> uh, no, tell her the, the uh, why am I forgetting his first name, but the character that Safdie plays in Oppenheimer. Right. Uh, uh, yes. Uh, Edmund Teller or whatever. We developed right. a new bomb. We're setting it off today. You should run right now. Hell yeah. It's so, And imagine running away from a new... And I love that when we see Arnold run. Like, he looks yeah. so fucking cool. But McTiernan's dream was like, it was just me running high Edward. speed for like five hours, like just trying to survive this thing. That's and it had bananas. haunted me for decades. This dream I had when I was a teenager. And in this moment, I was like, this is my chance to visualize this thing I've never been able to get out of my head. That feels like personal and visceral to me. Well, he escapes a nuclear bomb. Yes, much like John McTiernan did in his in teenage dream. dream. Well, the Mad Magazine I have of Predator, which for some reason I own, oh, wow. I have like a big pile of old Mad Magazines. That's the big gag at the end where they're like, how did you survive a nuclear bomb? And Arnold's like, I didn't. I, I skinned my knee. You know, like that's his joke at the end. He's like, he's like in a bet with radiation poisoning. <laughs> right. McTiernan brags about the fact that no one got injured on this movie. So during all the big action sequences on the commentary, he goes, what a specific brag. But you'll see like an, a, a giant explosion, four guys falling over, and then he'll go, and no one got injured. Like he keeps giving himself credit. And then at the end of the commentary, he goes, I'm actually uh, realizing I, I was lying earlier. I did break my wrist filming this movie. Yeah, he's in a cast. He's in a cast in was, the If It Bleeds uh, behind I the scenes. I fell out of a tree. And I think I just didn't want anyone to know that I'd broken my wrist because then I would have had to wear someone being injured on the film. <laughs> so I just kind of like powered through it for a week or two. Uh, talking about uh, running away from the Predator, great moment that I really, that really shined for me in this is when Dutch goes over the waterfall. Already a huge, scary thing. But then you're like, 
Well, I put some space in between me and the predator. Yeah. And then the predator's like, cannonball. Like, he's like, fuck <laughs> it. I can just jump in the water. And he's coming out of the water. And you see it on Dutch's face. He's luckily covered in mud and doesn't know about it yet. But you see on his face, he's like, all right, fuck it. Kill me, dude. I am not running anymore. You fucking psycho. You just jumped off that waterfall to hunt me? Damn. It's such a crazy shot. It's a cool shot. Yeah. I mean, he just also looks like... When, when he's in the mud... that's when the cloaking gets hit and then the force yes. lightning is kind of thrown around a little. When he's in the mud, it feels like his eyes are glowing. Yeah. He's got perfect eyes for that yeah. role, yeah. Yeah. It's, Makes it's, me think of Encino Man. <laughs> fair enough. When, when Schwarzenegger was at his best... Remember just, when the titties are printed in mud on the uh, glass, sliding glass door at the end of his... I brought it. this up on an episode it's recently. It's a huge moment. It's a huge moment for me. That's how much I was desperate to see boobs. That seeing like a uh, an art direction designed set of mud prints was like, oh man, what if there's a real cave woman? Just draw boobs on a piece of paper and have the same impact. I used to. <laughs> Sean, we brought this up on a recent episode, but, so but that gag of the mud imprint of the boobs, I was watching it at my friend's place on VHS that scene happens. The movie ends. I go. So did, did they? Um, did they make a sequel? Can we? Can we wheeze the juice real quick? Uh, right. My internet's not working right now. I'm typing in Encino Man two, and nothing is happening. And then I remember going to school. Is it Encino Woman? Like what is this? And being like, okay, look, I know this movie Encino came out five years Woman. ago. Maybe they would have made a sequel by now already if they were ever going to. But he's naked at the beginning of the movie. So by transitive the properties, rules, right? Demand. The beginning of the second movie would have boobs on camera. Let's go to the video store now. Change.org didn't exist. There was nothing I could do to will it into existence. Um, no, I, you know, Schwarzenegger at his best had this reality distorting effect, right? Where you're like, uh, the, the the comedy of like I am normal man right well yes by the 90s right where he's also, like this movie you never question the fact that he's like Dutch and served in Vietnam with American troops no I don't care you yeah, don't care it's awesome I you would, don't care if I'm in an army and that guy shows up I'm like can he be in our army please yeah, I'll go with you and he's and like hello <laughs> and I'm like yeah I, I'll let that ride. This it's movie fine. does not feel the need to like, much like it doesn't have the voiceover explaining the predator technology or him talking out his strategy alone in the woods. This movie doesn't also feel the like need the, to have. It would be funny if it had like the weird Sarah Connor, like uh, the the predators were built as a hunter species, like right. just kind of articulating what's just, going I on. I don't want any of that. But it also right. doesn't have the scene where Dylan's like, I mean, thank God America and Austria formed this union yeah, that right. put our two no. units together. I don't need it. Right. You're just like, you know what? This guy just has so much fucking integrity and credibility on screen and so much fucking confidence. Yeah, if he shows up and, and he's like, I am your leader, and you're, you're like, like, Yeah, I'm in. Can you just take off your undershirt, but then put your vest back on? And he's like, You got it, brother. Dylan, you you too. Billy, yeah, don't worry, Chief. I'm already open, ready to cut my chest up. That shit when I was a kid, I thought was the oh. coolest shit. But it also broke my heart because I was like, I truly believed when I was a kid. I was like, Billy has a chance. Terrence <laughs> like, said this thing that I thought was like quietly profound where this guy like goes from Juilliard to then being a commercial director. So he's in like heady, emotional, like psychologically grounded theater into being like a, a visual stylist, right? Uh, and he like understands the unique properties of both mediums and how film has to bring the two together. Um, and he's, it's over some scene of Bill Duke where he's talking just how much he fucking loves Bill Duke. Just like waxing sure. poetic about great, Bill Duke. Great guy. And being like, you know, he's like one of the great theater actors. And it's like funny to put him in a movie like this doing this. But like, you know, you can give him, he can give you so much more than you need. 
And he said, you know, it's like weird acting in a movie like this because it's not like proper dramatic performance in an obvious way. There's something about acting on film that isn't quite acting. It's like visual music is oh. the term he uses. Hell and yeah. he's like, all of filmmaking is like visual music and like acting on camera is more about like conveying some feeling than it is like communicating a specific like characterization in certain ways. Interesting. And he said, it's a reason why I love in a lot of my movies to have characters who speak in foreign languages and not subtitle them. And he's like, because if you do that, the audience only pays attention to the way in which the actor is saying it and not what they're saying. And I think the former is always more important. Cool. I like that. And he shit. just talked about Bill Duke as a visual Until music actor. for Red October when well, he's like, okay, hold on. And <laughs> very pointedly is like, which is so funny. But I just, the visual music thing, he was just like, Duke gets it. Like him being an actor and a filmmaker he understands like what color he needs to be in the palette. And Duke gets the most like metaphorical representational yeah. scenes in the movie too. Like he when he spirals over uh Blaine's dead. I love right. the reveal that like him and Blaine were best friends. Like it's such a funny thing. But he's basically making this point of like Duke is giving the most grounded performance in this movie. And yet there is nothing naturalistic about what he's doing. That moment where he's like stripping his clothes off, singing songs like about to die, and it's like so crazy, but it feels like he it feels so elevated. Yeah. He, he brings it's like it's like having like one guy in the band who could like solo really well. It's yes. like just like let's let Bill Duke. We'll roll on him. We got the rights to this song. He'll be fucking weird. And it's like, I'm in. I'm on fucking board. He, his death is heartbreaking. It, it's, yeah. it's the saddest one because he's the one that, yeah. that has some sort of deeper pathos, you feel. Yeah. And then you have this ending where like, you know, it's funny for how much of a meme get to the choppa is. It's like, oh, they do say it 800 times. They say times. Chopper so many so goddamn many times. times that you are like, which one is the meme? I don't even know. Because especially <laughs> because they wisely removed the sort of extended double cross element of it. Right. You're like, then the movie just becomes, everyone needs to get back to the Chopper. There is one objective. Chopper, 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 Chopper. And like, what a good word to hand over to Schwarzenegger. Oh, it sounds so good. And let him accent. make a meal yeah. out of. Yeah. Chopper. But yeah, just like they're getting away. Anna's in there. They see the explosion. They go back around. They get him. And he's just there with like the fucking thousand yard stare of like. That's so fucking cool. It's good acting by fucking A-Man there too. Yeah, absolutely. And then your hard cut to fucking curtain call. Every guy doing this. This is like, my, my fucking. Uh, every it movie. Every, every movie. Like yes. Every. I don't care if the movie is a Hungarian art movie about leprosy. Okay. I want actors giving a thumbs up to the camera with their character names underneath. Can I tell you the fucking mind blower? This is the very end of the commentary. Obviously, McTiernan drops this. And I, I literally, I thought I was having a disassociative episode because this is what I would write. This is what I would force into existence. And I can't believe I didn't know this and had never known this unless I had forgotten it. He said, I felt like the ending was so down and I wanted it to it's be a down. a tough ending. Yeah. Right. But like the movie was fun at a certain point and I don't want the audience walking out bummed. So I wanted some spiritual way to remind everyone like, hey, remember, this was a fun movie. It was a popcorn movie. So he was like, I had this idea originally that as Dutch is in the chopper getting away, he looks into the sky and their faces are all superimposed in the sky. Oh, shit. Force ghosts. Right. But like bullet dodge. Right. Yeah. yeah and he was idea. like, it felt like overly sentimental and romantic. And I couldn't really like justify like, what am I actually saying here visually? 
are they in heaven? <laughs> like, I don't like like the sort thank of you Dutch for avenging extrapolations us. Yeah. from it. And it was going to be a complicated effect shot. And he was like, and weirdly, the movie I stole this idea from, how I ended up doing the end credits, David. Do you know what I'm going to say? No. McTiernan fucking name drops Brewster McCloud. Wow. Oh shit. My that, favorite I movie of all that. time. One of the most like bizarre left-handed movies ever. The movie Robert Altman makes after Mash, and his like crazy blank check that like goes down in flames. Uh, <laughs> that I made Ben and David see a couple it's years a ago movie. at the Metrograph. Movie I love. It's yeah, weird as hell. Deeply weird movie. It's weird. I believe it. It's but, Griffin's favorite. After yeah, all. <laughs> yeah. It's some normal shit. Uh, but most of the characters in that movie die across the running time. Yes. And it ends with a final death. And there's just the silence. And then it becomes a three ring circus. And every actor you've seen in the movie is brought back to life in the guise of a different circus performer. Yeah, it's very cool. And they like the announcer announces them one by one, lets them do their little curtain call direct to camera. And McTiernan was like, that, I'm just going to fucking steal from McLeod, which obviously came out 10, 15 years before this movie. It's yeah. not like he had just seen it. Right, right. But he was like, you know what endings always stuck with me? Which is the weirdest inspiration. But he was like, that's so easy and so cheap. Just fucking tack it on to first unit filming that anytime we have a down moment with the guys, we're just like, hey, just like turn to camera and do your sort of introduction. Dude. What's your bit? You want us to throw you a gun? You want to look up from the comic book? Do your like sitcom opening and just break the fourth wall and do this like, hey, we want you to know we had fun time making this movie. But I'm an actor and I didn't actually die. Don't worry. It's all pretend the Predator's not real. I I swear to God. let the Predator do a final. I really picked up on this viewing that this, I think the film Predator explained to me what movies are. Mm. Like I feel like I was so obsessed with this movie. Like I, in my head, every movie should end with that credit sequence. Yeah, every movie should have like big buff guys that like greet each other. Like, and I was just like, and watching it this time, I'm like, this is why I think every movie should end like this. Is yes. because Predator fucking like imprinted on me like Renesmee. <laughs> what? Yeah, Predator imprinted <laughs> on you like Renesmee. Yeah. Predator is I got a new tattoo idea. You're Renesme, <laughs> and Predator is your Jacob. Jacob's a predator. <laughs> he is a predator. David. Yes. I got a problem. I got a big, 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 big issue. What's that? Well, when I'm looking for hand-selected, great cinema from around the world, I go to movie. I go to our friends at movie. I pull up movie. We love movie. That solves that problem for me. I got an unrelated issue that I don't think movie can solve. What's that? I don't know how to have sex. Okay, look, listen, look, listen. I'm looking and listening. Look, look, this episode is brought to you by movie, of course. It is. And they are presenting the new film, How to Have Sex. Well, wait a second. Which won the Uncertain Regard Prize at the Cannes Film Festival, and it follows these three British teenage girls on a rite of passage holiday where they're drinking and clubbing and hooking up uh, in the streets of... Malia, you know, in Greece. Feature debut from rising British filmmaker Molly Manning Walker, notably the cinematographer of Scrapper, one of your favorite movies of 2023. An an excellent film. But I just will, I do want to warn you that this is not really about how, like, the the sex being had is often actually, you know, quite, you know, sort of complex and problematic. And it's, you know, it's about difficult situations that evolve like it's definitely not a manual or it's anything not a, like it's that. not an instruction manual but no. it's a, but it's a film that i would enjoy watching it's a vibrant and authentic depiction of the agonies ecstasies and ride or die glory of young female friendship 
It's a good movie. I've seen it. I mean, it uh, sounds like my kind of thing. Uh, yeah. BAFTA nominee for British Film of the Year. Uh, it was at Sundance. It was at Cannes. It's gotten incredible reviews and it's playing in theaters. And it is a cool movie to see in theaters because it is very sensory. It is, you know, you are partying with these girls. Like, it's about this sort of crazy, sort of like overwhelming scene that they're in. So it's cool to be, you know, locked in a theater with it, obviously. Is Dr. Ruth still alive? I believe Dr. Ruth is still alive. Man, yes. I'm definitely going to watch this film. It sounds right up my alley, but I'm also just like, I got maybe got to tackle this other She's problem. 95, on this so you want to okay. give her a call soon. But yeah. How to Have Sex is now playing only in theaters. Visit movie.com slash how to have sex, one word, to see showtimes and get tickets. That's mubi.com slash how to have sex. This film came out in June 12th, 1987. It was mm-hmm. a big hit, made 60. Mm-hmm. Mill domestic, 100 worldwide. It cost about 15, so everyone's happy. Yeah. Reviews were bad. Uh, Janet Maslin called it grisly and dull. It is wild how dismissive the reviews are. No, it's not. It's the 80s, bro. You have to think about, like, the critics of the 80s were born in, like, the 30s, you know? (laughs) They don't want to see Predator. I was not expecting anyone would uh, respect this on an intellectual level, but they're also just, like, boring. Well, yeah, that's that's untrue. Like, that is, I understand going, like, not a lot of depth. I mean, you can find it if you look for it, but I can understand all the fancy critiques, but I can't imagine you watch this movie and go like, it's kind of boring. I guess I'm also like unfairly comparing this to RoboCop and Terminator, which were a little more sophisticated on their face and both got reviews where people were like, huh, this is actually better than it should be. Well, yeah, those movies those are, are a little highly richer metaphorical. Yeah, yeah. Right. Whereas this is, you know, you, Arnie versus the reviews yeah. on those two movies. This is a fucking cheeseburger. Yes. And you're, we're, yeah. we were previously talking about uh, steaks. Greatest fucking cheeseburger. Oh, sometimes you want a fucking cheeseburger. Most of the time. Exactly. You do. Most, Most of the time, time you don't need a steak. Michael Wilmington in the Los Angeles Times says that the script is arguably one of the emptiest, feeblest, most derivative scripts ever made as a movie motion. Like, like, I'm like, this is a perfect picture. script. Even if I don't expect him to praise it, to be like, this script has nothing going for it. I'm like, it is perfectly structured. Yeah, and I, that guy's fucking uh, jokes on you, dude. It's got it's like 15 of the most quotable lines of all time. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, no one will ever remember anything written for the film credit. <laughs> he also says there's no need to do a Mad Magazine parody of this. It's already on the screen. Well, they did one, and yeah. it's funny, and yeah. I own it. Yeah, um, and, and the scraped knee wasn't going to come out of McTiernan's uh, pen. Exactly. Uh, Schwarzenegger, of course, never does a Predator sequel in all the years. No. He's done many other sequels. The Lawrence Fishburne role in Predators was made for him. Oh, that makes Unsurprisingly. sense. Unsurprisingly. That movie was sense. pitched in the 90s by Robert Rodriguez as, and we bring Arnold back, and he's the one, the survivor. Man, that would have been cool. I mean, Fishburne is bananas in that movie, and I love it. It love is it just too. kind of, maybe it might be the wrong moment in the bell curve when that movie came out in terms of like Schwarzenegger's legacy, and he just left office maybe. Right. Because like, now he's doing the, he, I feel like we can get, I mean, we are getting like triplets, right? Is that the one of the rumors? Well. Or is that still like a bit? That's that Eddie Murphy long is, rumor. Yeah. That right. Eddie Murphy's going to play the third uh, genetic brother. Which was being written by Josh Gad at a certain point. Hell fucking yeah, yeah. Gad. But also Ivan Reitman was supposed to direct it, who has now sadly left us. Uh, and it was supposed to be Eddie Murphy, but then Eddie Murphy passed. Their pitch for triplets has always been what if the third guy was black? That is yeah. the beginning and the end of their pitch. And then at some point, they were like... Not no, not at one point could it be a, a girl. No. <laughs> no. No. Their, their pitch is just, who's what's the next list least likely in this SAT pattern? Right. right. 
So it was like Eddie and they kept on being like, we, we, he won't commit, but we think we're going to get him. And then at some point they're like, we give up. We're going to do it with Tracy Morgan and we're going to do it and we're ready to do it. And Ivan Reitman's going to direct it. And then Ivan dies. And then now I don't know where it stands. If he's looking at his checking account right now, he's like, we could do first grade cop. We can do, you know, like he's just looking through his shit and it's like, I'll fucking do a legacy sequel for anything. Like he's clearly down to still be in a Terminator movie, which is like upsetting and kind he of He might have finally ended that. I, feel I think like. so. He's got yeah. it. He tried two different versions of I age naturally right. as a Terminator. And it's like, <laughs> and okay, we'll talk okay. about this on Patreon, but I think Dark Fate is a good final. I think he's put it good in both for that of those performance. Yeah. He, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah. The but if he are, came back, for, I mean, I don't know. As much as we're saying, the model for Predator is Prey, and they should just keep doing that. If they could find the right way to bring Dutch back, oh, it'd be we'd fucking be awesome and hollering. Well, the the real legacy sequel I want him to do mm -hmm. is King Conan. Yes, yeah, that's he that's can do it. One. Yeah, he should do yeah. it. Yeah. Just like an aged, you know, like his last hurrah, defending yeah. his fucking people. I just want or him to do stuff like, and yes. not just action movies. I'd like him to try stuff. I, I just want to say about Predator 2. He's like, like, they come to me. McTiernan is now too expensive because he's made Die Hard in Red October, right? So his fee is too high. So they hire the guy who did Nightmare on Elm Street 5, Stephen Hopkins. Yeah. Who is like, you know, he's had his moments. It's all like, like journeyman. Uh, and uh, Joel Silver is like, come on. Like, we got the director. Let's yeah. go. You know, we did this before. And Schwarzenegger told him, like, the script is set in LA. No one wants to see this. No one wants Predators in downtown LA. Like, you know, we, gang warfare is a serious problem. Like, yeah. you don't need to bring extraterrestrials into no, this. He, look, he was, He's right. right. And that movie sort and of Ar flopped. And Arnold makes even less sense than Danny Glover. No, and, it's, yeah, yeah. it's kind of like the you best... You must a black guy if you're going to yeah, bet it against the race. that movie. Yes. And the best yeah. thing that movie has going for it is like, oh, Glover's kind of interesting to place at the center of this. Right. He's giving a very different type of performance. It's a very different type of hero. If it were that same story with Arnold Schwarzenegger playing Dutch again. Yeah. Man. Dutch is now a police sergeant. Yes. <laughs> I retired. I re yeah. I just love LA. <laughs> I, I need to keep it safe. I'm a coppa. So <laughs> this, get to the coppas. Um, Funny. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, sure. Funny. I'm here for it. This film it. is opening number one, Griffin, mm -hmm. to 12, a healthy okay. $12 million dollar in June. We did this weekend already? We did. What's number two? Also new this week, a film we've covered. 87? Yes. Also new this week. Yes. Do you want a clue? Give me the distributor of the picture. Warner Bros. The bros, I called them. Give me the distributor. I fucking love this podcast. Thank you. <laughs> um, Do you want a clue? Yeah. How about who's the head of marketing at the time? <laughs> like, what? That helps you? Uh, is it? It's not Beyond Thunderdome, is it? No. But correct director. Oh, is it Witches of Eastwick? The Witches of Eastwick. Oh, yeah. Opening to a fairly healthy $9 million. What a fucking weekend. Did you see I Distributor, and I thought about the year, and I singled in on, it's probably a George Miller if it's you Warner did. Brothers, and we've covered it <laughs> from this time period. <laughs> that was the only clue I needed. Uh, I was one what film off. What a fucking weekend. Predator. And yeah. we, we, it used to be, you know, let's was make, this, let's make America great again, folks. I, I'm like, going to put on. this forward. Was this the original Barbenheimer weekend? Oh, uh, Predowick. <laughs> Predators of Eastwick. <laughs> Number three at the box office, a film we will cover one day, a sequel, an action sequel. An action sequel. To a gigantic hit. Will we cover it on main feed or Patreon, feed. you think? This is, okay, so it's a main feeder. One and day I'm the same, we do this guy. Did the director only do this sequel? Correct. Interesting. Yep. Okay, and it's a two. Yeah. It's a deuce. Dos. 
Okay, it's director only did it too. You're going to insist we cover this guy. I believe it is the only sequel he ever made. And it's to someone else's film. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll also do the original in a different director's miniseries. But we won't do the third. Mm-mm-mm. We won't do the third? No. No, no, no. We won't be doing that one. Is it like a radioactive movie or is it just like radioactive director? Radioactive director. I think I know what it is. What do you think it is? Is it Beverly Hills Cop 2? That's correct. Oh. Again, well, can I repeat? Rest, and I'm going to insist on Tony Scott, but no, 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 Mr. Landis. Very, there's the door. Very, very good pull, Gabriel. I have to Way say, to that out. just repeat myself. Yeah. What a fucking weekend. Oh, <laughs> seriously. Imagine that marquee. Yeah. Just That's wait, like three... wait for number four. Oh, shit. Yeah, number four is fun, too. We'll probably do this guy one day. More of an established big auteur. It is wild that's his only sequel. Yeah, he never did sequels to his own movies. Um, yeah, he no, he never did another sequel. Yeah. yeah. Um, He's so fucking good. Uh, what do you, it's a historical drama thriller. It's a historical drama thriller. It's kind of the most mainstream movie this guy ever made in, well, no, that's not true, actually. But at the, maybe at this time. Director, at, you're saying that yes. the director made? Director, kind of a famous freak. Uh, He's kind of a famous freak? He kind of is. We just interviewed one of his leading ladies. Yesterday, you and I. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, we uh, at the time of recording this, Gabriel's yesterday, we we talked to Amy Irving. Ooh, excuse us. As, a, as an episode to accompany our, our Yentl episode. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not, it's one of his. Yeah. Who's leading, his, who, who did she collaborate with? De Palma. Yeah. So it's a Brian De Palma movie. It's an, is it Untouchables? The Untouchables. Okay, there we go. Holy there we go. shit. I mean, like, Jesus. Wardrobe, wardrobe by Giorgio Armani. Fucking hell, man. That movie, that's another one where... That that is one of the iconic fucking credit when it just says wardrobe by Giorgio Armani. I have said this before on the podcast, but you read the reviews of that film that are not rude, but are like, yeah, it's like fun popcorn for dumb kids. Right. And then you watch the credits and you're like, Suits by Armani, (laughs) score by Ennio Morricone. And you're like, these are the highest level people in the world (laughs) making you a period piece. And people are like, boring, Last Emperor, please. They weren't like boring. They were like, like, they weren't like boring. You're right. They were just like, yeah, sure, the bubblegum some fun trash. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if you release this, it would be like only at the Cinema Village. Um, I'm (laughs) sort of joking. Just like a critic to bring a knife to a gunfight. (laughs) We're going to talk about that man's accent work soon. It'll swim up your urethra. <laughs> I can't, I can't, like, the medicine, <laughs> that's all I remember from that movie. Oh, well, careful, it'll I'm swim excited. up your urethra. I, We're going to do two Conneries on this yeah. feed. Oh, this um, is another great thing about McTiernan. Two Conneries. Two fucking Schwarzeneggers. Yes. Two Bruce. Yes. A Banderas. A, a Banderas. You get Sam Jackson with the second Bruce. Two Pierces. Yeah. Right, two Sam Jacks. Travolta. <sighs> One Travolta. <laughs> a Chris Klein. You get a Klein. <laughs> basic, basic, low-key slaps. It's like my I, kind of movie. I love flashbacks I'm for from I've heard this from other people. I'm not pumped for Rollerball. No. I'm pumped for basic. I've heard this from other people. completely reasonable <laughs> feeling. I'm getting excited at the notion, not to overhype it, the basic will be like the quick and the dead of this series. Yeah, God. just like, hell yeah. The quick and the dead, when we did that on Action Boys, was the first time I had seen it too. And I was like, Ooh, what a great. fucking movie. I'm like, Sharon Stone... Turns out she's amazing at movies. Everyone should talk about that movie every day. (laughs) (laughs) Number five at the box office is a horror film that I had probably not heard of. And Alex 
Ross Perry probably texted me afterwards being like, how do you not know this movie? Yelled at you about it. Yes. Oh, when we previously covered like this the, weekend. Right. We, that probably happened to me already. I still don't really remember this film. Oh, it's too late for burnt offerings. No, it's not burnt offerings. It's right. a John Slicinger movie. Oh, okay. Starring Martin Sheen. Ooh. About a New York psychiatrist who finds that a, a child sacrifice cult has an interest in his son. Is it called like Blanker? No, it's got a really boring name. It's a, uh, uh, is it called Danger Zone? No Man's Land. It's got Robert Loge in it, and I bet he doesn't like that cult one bit. Lieutenant Sean McTaggart. Does the it name have of his a character. sort of off-the-shelf title that could apply to 20 movies? Okay. It's called The Believers. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. Never okay. was going to Never going to get that. You've also got Harry and the Hendersons, if you want to see Predator in another role. Talk about Big Hall Weekend. Seriously. You've got Ernest. He's gone to camp. Mm-hmm. Oh. This is uh, the first one. This is the start of a major franchise. Right. You've got Platoon, mm-hmm. uh, last year's Best Picture winner, still Jesus. hanging around like eight months later. Uh, Michael J. Fox and the Secret of My Success, and a film called Million Dollar Mystery. What is that? Oh, I don't hmm. even know that one. Uh, it's a film released with a... Prom- <laughs> okay, glad That's I looked gimmick, this up. Right? Glad I looked this up. Yeah. 1987 American film released with a promotional tie-in for Gladlock brand garbage bags. <laughs> This Whoa. was the final feature-length film directed by Richard Fleischer, the Whoa. legendary yes. Golden Age director. And did Conan the Destroyer? It was shot by Jack Andy Cardiff, yeah. maybe the greatest cinematographer For in my cinema money, history. I'd say number oh, one. Shit. Yeah, it has an ensemble with like Eddie Deason, Rich Hall, they got, Kevin. They Pollack. got the D's in this. They got movie? D's. Tom Bosley is in this motherfucker. It's sort of like it's a mad, 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 mad world, but with garbage bags. I don't really know. Okay. The, cover of the movie the poster is a garbage bag like with millions of dollars in it but was there like a tie-in contest where people could win money i feel like there's some movie that dino de laurentis conceived with the idea dino de laurentis a man who always puts art over commerce (laughs) when he uh visited new york (laughs) and saw a row of people lining up for what he thought was a movie but it turns out they were buying lottery tickets so he's glad bags sponsored a sweepstakes uh when you um uh, watch the movie, you would fill out a form with your answer as to where the last million would be hiding give it based on clues given in the film. And if you won, I guess you got some money. I don't right, know. So it was meant Someone to be has a, a 0% on Rotten it's Tomatoes. It's like a scam. It's so funny. It's like a scam. Yep. It's like we can get people to watch the movie by offering them money and then when they watch the movie, we're actually just advertising to them. It's like, fuck you guys. It's like fucking bullet train. Delantis said, this is a really broad comedy with car chases designed for young movie-going audience. The sweepstakes gives us the potential to reach more people. Um, you know, people more interested in winning a million dollars than in going to the movies. And these are the kind of people who use glad bags, he's decided. <laughs> two two things. So, three things. This is like the real coupon the movie. Right. right? It's yes. garbage bag the movie. Yes. <laughs> It's about garbage bags. <laughs> Two. Man, that's like uh, Spinal Tap level r- reviews you could write about this. <laughs> Two, it says uh, the winner of the contest ended up being a 14-year-old girl who successfully guessed that the loot was hidden on the bridge of the nose of the Statue of Liberty. Okay. All right. That's where it is. Good for her. 
three, much in the way Ben and I often talk about the the simsism of a sensitive, nuanced performance when you're describing absolutely bananas, ham sandwich bullshit performances <laughs> for actors. I think blank who always puts art above commerce needs to be another go-to Sims line when talking about the great heroes of cinema. I love Caddy Sims. I just love it. Like people are like, Dino, please give me money to make like, you know, this art movie I want to make. And he's like, "Mm, I got my garbage bag movie lined up this year. So much of the Schwarzenegger documentary. Yeah, the Schwarzenegger documentary is three parts. It's athlete, actor, American. Uh And the American part is so much Schwarzenegger just fucking dunking on Dino De Laurentiis (laughs) for just talking trash about him and being like, I will never ever produce a movie that you star in. I hate you. You're not the movie star. Nothing makes Arnold feel better than the fact that he blew past doing fucking laps around Dino De Laurentiis' grave. Oh, good for him. Good for him. He outlived him. We're done. Predator. Oh, man. Holy shit. Rules. Can't wait to watch it again. I... It's Predator. I'm not complaining. I downloaded it to my iPad to watch. It came here. This morning when I was watching it, it says two days left. I re-downloaded it because I might have to be watching it again soon. I I mean, look. You you should just buy Predator. That's my advice. Here's another thing I'll say. I own it on DVD. I'm in this situation in my life where all my DVDs are in storage. So I keep having to Mm. buy movies (laughs) that I definitely own somewhere. Well, here's another thing I'll say. I, this was a formative movie for me as a, as a teenager, right? I, my friend Lucky tipped me off. I rented it and Alien the same night Holy from shit. Couch Potato Video across the street and was like, I should fucking dig in. A night I think about like being as important as me losing my virginity and far less uncomfortable. Well, I mean, 20 years earlier. Absolutely. 40. <laughs> if my projections are correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll, well, by the time of the recording, we could, we could always... <laughs> Knock on wood. Hi, this is Ben Hosley cutting in to say uh, Virgin Watch was still going strong with Griffin Newman. <laughs> I think I'm going to have a big February. That's all I'm saying. I'm thinking <laughs> I got a big February in store. But I watched these two movies and it blows my fucking mind. And I watched Predator so many times. I'm a teenager and it was like kind of a real gateway action movie for me where I was, this is what I fucking want out of movies. It's like what you're saying. And had the DVD, the two discs that had the If It Bleeds, all special features I watched obsessively. I put this on last night and I was like, have I not seen this movie in like in full, right? 15 years? Why is that? And I realized this is a movie that notoriously had the worst fucking home video transfers from DVD on. Yes. They yes. released it like four times on Blu-ray with like crazy waxed, like digital noise reduction to take out the grain where everyone looks AI'd. Like, the movie was only available in forms that looked like mid-journey for so long. (laughs) And if you were streaming it or renting it, it was the same version. And they only corrected this, like, four years ago. So there were years where I just had the DVD and I was like, still not upgrading it. Still not fucking buying it on iTunes because I refused to give money to the shitty version. And I just, like, when they finally fixed it, I bought it and I just hadn't watched it since then. And I put it on last night and I was like, oh, I basically, I went from VHS to DVD, to now watching it in 4K (laughs) for the first time in 15 years. I'm like, the fucking cracks in the mud. I've never seen this shit before. So Movie looks incredible. It does. It's a beautiful movie. Shout out Donald McAlpine. I'm so honored to be here, guys. I can't believe this is my fifth fucking time, and it's like talking about one of my favorite movies Incredible of all time. Canon. Well, yeah. you know, it's just too bad that he had to follow this up with, oh, I'm seeing Die Hard Check and The, the Hunt here. for Red October were his two follow-ups <laughs> to this the, film. What a 
fucking what a era. The most absurd <laughs> three movie run. Although the next movie we're going to watch is Medicine Man. We're actually jumping to <laughs> his in record order. Oh man, that's almost like, hey, what's over there? It's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> we're going out of here. You don't want to see. Sorry, we're going to the jungles to study spiders with my mom. Uh, ben, just because I, I know Predator is one of your main guys. One of your main artistic influences. I just, before we end the episode, I want to give you the space if there's anything you want to say about the dude. He loves bones. We haven't really, you know, the man likes a skull. I mean, he collects them. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of been I like when he's behavior. like washing them and shit. He's like, he's got to clean his skulls. Well, he's like, yeah, these are disgusting. You mean like like a, like a bartender glass cleaner, maybe? He just kind of like, you know, <laughs> dunks it in his He's got a skull washer. <laughs> he keeps them in like the blue barber juice. <laughs> he puts them in the barber <laughs> He's kind of a multidisciplinary artist. <laughs> in a yeah. certain way. Another thing you have in common with the Predator. Like different approaches to murder. Different approaches to murder. Sometimes he's a shuriken guy. Sometimes he's a whip guy. He's designed his own look, I'm sure. He's, I mean, he's got a look. I would say this. We didn't really talk about his fashion, the mm -hmm. Predator. Yeah. yeah, we didn't. We didn't. How could we not? Rude. Obviously invisible for much of the time. Well, right. But when you get to see it, yeah. what a killer fucking fit fishnets and armor fishnets yeah. and armor helmet helmet the helmet fucking is so the wolverine uh, claws yeah the, oh my god yeah a helmet that lets your dreads hang out the back right. wolverine claws a parrot gun yeah a fucking arm gun like this shit shoulder gun fucking awesome nuclear bomb on the wrist yeah when he uh unfurls the like uh the whatever the like spikes the Wolverine yeah. like spikes but like around Arnie's head yeah he pulls oh. one in he's doing a bit yeah and it's good he's he's funny yeah it's a funny bit do you like how he takes off his helmet too like I love that it's like yeah and he like unplugs like four different like uh, air things like goes full Vader and reveals that and then it's like another layer of like he's more raw and yeah. now more susceptible to pain and damage and you're like fuck yeah we're and doing it's also it. like you get to see this bro like right. you're you're special he's you're gonna like, get to I'm see my loving crazy this. face I love when right. he fucking echoes back yeah what you're one ugly motherfucker yeah. what the fuck are you and he's like gargled <laughs> I'm so fucking hungover <laughs> You did great, Gabriel. Uh, you guys are the fucking best. You're the best. You're the best. Thank you for coming. Action Boys, everyone should become a janitor. Yeah, actionboys.biz. And if you uh, just want to sniff, you can go to free.actionboys.biz where we have like 10 of our episodes that are out from the paywall. So maybe you get hooked that way. I told you this uh, months and months ago because animation takes forever. But now it's finally coming soon and will be out by the time this episode comes out. But uh, Gwildor an important character in Action Boys lore. Gwildor appears in over 200 episodes of Action Boys, which is crazy. made Gwildor merch. We have Gwildor shirts. <laughs> Gwildor is a significant character in the new season of the Masters of the Universe Revolution cartoon I am on. I cannot fucking wait my to see. My character, Orko, his whole plot line this season is just him fighting Gwildor. Oh, awesome, dude. It's just he and Gwildor like fighting like an old married couple. On our podcast, Gwildor has become a sort of hothead police officer. <laughs> Great. He's always like, shut the body cameras off. <laughs> this, I think you're going to like, this is a very classic representation of Gwildor. It's Gwildor just as you remembered him. He looks like Gwildor. He sounds like Gwildor. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, I can't it's wait. great. A lot of Gwildor. And he's just fighting over like, let me make my sword my way. I like barbecue sauce. Bye, David. Bye, David. <laughs> David has gone to the bathroom and shoved his own head in the toilet. Came out in a Superman album. <laughs> that was so fast. <laughs>
wrap it up. Thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you to Marie Barty, our associate producer on the show. Thank you to AJ McKeon, Alex Barron for our editing, Leigh Montgomery and the Great American Owl for our theme song, JJ Birch for our research, uh, Joe Bone and Pat Reynolds for our artwork. You can go to blankcheckpod.com for links to some real nerdy shit, including our Patreon Blank Check special features, where, as I said, we're doing Terminators. If you want more Arnie talk, there's a lot of it happening over there on the other side of the Rio Grande. Tune in next week for Die Hard. Bummer. Big movie. <laughs> Snore. <laughs> and as always, <clears throat> get to the chopper. He's talking to Ben to start chopping up this fucking episode. Listeners, stick around. Ben and I are going to do another hour on the... <laughs> <laughs> this is the hidden track <laughs> if you're still here Ben and I are going to talk for an hour about the predator's hair <laughs> like when the action guys go like that's always sick yeah we just have like a full child's conversation for <laughs> exactly in a sandbox <clears throat> sound speeds Ag. <laughs> Ah, okay, ready? Ready? Oh, God. Mm-hmm.